BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and... We're just hitting request after request. You guys have wanted this gentleman on the podcast for a very long time. We've obliged. It's Billy Bolt, the great man himself. Uh, I've been a massive fan of Billy since he burst onto the scene a few years ago. Uh, He's probably one of the most likable characters on Two Wheels. Uh, You've seen him in the vlogs with Tommy Searle. You've seen him on the Two Pro One Slow podcast. And uh, now you're going to see him on Gypsy Tales. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Uh, Me and Billy, we've gone back and forth on Instagram for ages, but this was the first time properly talking. So uh, super excited to dive into his career and just such an epic rise from just nowhere. Uh, He was a trials rider, wanted to do like the world trials championship and then just figured out it really wasn't going to happen to him, made the switch to enduro and now he's a three-time world champion. It's just such a cool story and he's such a cool guy. So won't bore you with the details too much because you're going to hear all about it over the next three hours. Uh, Just a shout out to our boy, Eddie Warren, E-Dub, for helping us make these podcasts happen. Uh, He runs a sick underwear company called Kex, at Kex on Instagram, if you want to check him out. Uh, They also do all of Billy Bolt's merch, and Ed is also a host on the 2 Pro, One Slow podcast. So give him a check out, show him some love uh, if you're in Europe for helping make these podcasts happen. Uh, We are brought to you today by the guys at Manscaped. And perfect episode to be brought to you by Manscaped because there's not many men that are more manly than Billy Bolt. Uh, there is some exciting news from our friends at Manscaped. They have just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0 Manscaped. Uh, the leaders in male grooming have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. They must be getting close to 5 million, surely. The new performance package 4.0. Uh, you can get that by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG. Uh, I'm not in the office at the moment and I've got my new performance package 4.0 sitting there waiting for me when I get home. Uh, I'm in desperate, desperate need of a trim. My uh, my nether regions actually look like my face at the moment. So uh, yeah, do with that info what you will. Uh, 
The performance package comes with a whole host of stuff as well. Uh, not just that uh, that new generation trimmer. Uh, they got the ball deodorant in there. They got the weed whacker. That's waterproof as well. Um, they've got the crop preserver, the crop reviver. Um, they even throw in uh, two free gifts in their performance package 4.0. So uh, get online. Get to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG at checkout. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them right with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. We're also brought to you by the legends at Crush Oz. CrushOz.com if you want to head to their website right now. Uh, They do the best cleaning products in the game. Platinum Chain Lube, Foaming Rapid Wash, Premium Bike Wash. Uh, They do the Illuminate Waterless Wash now, the uh, Ultra Drive Tran Degreaser, the Rotor Revive, the After Wash Bike Spray and the Sanex Sanitizer and Deodorant uh, Deodorizer. all this, you can get that in the Pro uh, Bike Care Bucket. I would recommend that if you're a first-time Crush user. Uh, that pretty much has everything that you need to clean your bike. Uh, take that with me every time I ride. Um, give the old uh, steed uh, a bit of a wash. Um, these guys are legends of the Australian industry. Uh, you might have seen them at the Cannibal Festival recently. Huge supporters of our show, huge supporters of the industry in general. You have to wash your bike every single time you ride. If you don't, you're a kook. Uh, so why not support the guys that support your favorite podcast at crushoz.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. Head online right now, mxstore.com.au for all your dirt bike parts and accessories. They've also just announced the 125 Cup. Uh, That is going to be a three-round series uh, that will be extremely hotly contested, I'm sure. Uh, Get online or to their Instagram to check the details. If you need anything for your bike this weekend, you can head to mxstore.com.au. If you order before 2 p.m. on a weekday, you're going to get free shipping. That's just as good as living in Burley like we do. Uh, We're lucky enough to head into their superstore. You can head in there as well uh, if you are a local to the Gold Coast. Uh, At MX Store, you're going to find Go The Rat Gear, Um, the legendary, iconic Australian brand Go The Rat has just been revived uh, and it is the gear that I have been running for a little bit now, uh, super, super stoked to be a part of the Go The Rat family. Pretty iconic. Uh, had it all around my house growing up. Dad had a bunch of Go The Rat gear. Uh, so to be able to run it these days, pretty special. Uh, you can head to gotheratracing.com to find out more. Uh, and we're finally brought to you, not finally actually, we're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Ink Design Co. You can head to rivalinkdesignco.com for the best stickers in the game. Uh, like I said a couple ads ago, I've just pretty much been the ultimate product tester for those guys. Kept the same set of graphics on my bike for two years. Massive no-no. The guys got up me for that. Uh, but it's uh, pretty awesome when you can buy a product and it just actually does what it says it's going to do and at last i raced Manji with it uh i raced rocky twice with it 
countless cartwheels, countless crashes, countless washes, uh, and it still looks good. That's why I just didn't really change it, but I will be getting a fresh set. You can get a fresh set too if you head to rivalinkdesignco.com. Uh, and finally, we're brought to you by the guys at TrainAid. If you are serious about your health and hydration uh, in the way that I am, then you will head to TrainAid. Dot com. Uh, let me just check that that's right, actually, because I always forget the AU versus the dot .com. Uh, give me a second here, guys. Give me a sec. Yeah, nah, trainaid.com. That's it. You can use the promo code GYPSY15. Uh, this has been, honestly, this is honest to God. I'm being tongue-in-cheek with some of the ads just because it's fun to read them like that. Uh, but this stuff has been really really amazing for me i struggle with hydration you've heard it all before blah blah blah. one kidney born retarded uh but i struggle to stay hydrated i struggle to drink enough water i fucking hate drinking water to be honest um and train aid has really 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 helped uh, i just have a couple scoops in a big water bottle it gets me pretty much the water that i need to drink in a day it gives me all the electrolytes uh without the carbs and sugars that are in it that actually slow down the absorption uh, of electrolytes you can go back and listen to um the podcast with Geordie Sullivan. He is the creator of TrainAid and you'll hear all about it. But TrainAid.com, promo code GYPSY15. That's it for the ads. Enjoy the show with Billy Bolt. The dude is a lord in every sense of the word. Righto, so we're, we're good. We're on, ready to rip. We're in. Yeah, no, very, very highly requested guest. I get asked a lot about a Billy Bolt podcast, so pretty pretty chuffed that we're doing it. One after your, your boy Thomas as well. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm uh, I'm pretty pretty humbled that there's been so highly requested and that people obviously like what we're doing and want to hear me waffling a bit more than we usually do. Yeah, no, nah, we're, all, we're all here for it, mate. I've been keen as well because... I've been around bikes forever and the name Billy Bolt just bang all of a sudden <laughs> it's fucking it's on then uh, seemingly out of nowhere and then you do a little bit of bit of research uh, and you find out that you kind of did come out of nowhere um, but before we go into that before we go fully into the backstory because I know it's epic um, what have you been up to recently how's it all been going start of the new year all that jazz uh, yeah been been busy really I think um Europe kind of seems like it's nearing the end of the restrictions, COVID, all of the rest of the the drama and the nightmare I've had for the last couple of years. So um, we've had like the Super Enduro Championship, which is like the indoor enduro cross racing, a few different name variations, whatever. So that championship's run, um, well, a couple of the races were meant to be January, have been delayed to March. But other than that, it's kind of run as normal. So we had one round in December and then one round last weekend in um in Budapest and Hungary. Yeah. Um, so I've mainly just kind of been in Spain um, riding and, and prepping for that um, kind of since the end of the, the outdoor championship. We really don't, we don't really get much of a break um, in my world. So I went straight from the outdoor championship to get ready for indoors, started indoor, indoor championship, um, had a quick trip to South Africa to my girlfriend's place for Christmas. Um, and then, yeah, got back, 
flew back straight to Spain and then rode a couple of weeks in Spain, did the, the second round of the championship last weekend and then and then came back to England for a British championship race, which I just did yesterday. Um, and then a few more days in England this week before I'll head back to Spain uh, to get ready for the next round, which is in Israel in about three weeks' time or two and a half weeks' time. That's wild. Yeah, busy. <laughs> it's it's kind of how it's always been, to be honest, for me. Though I've like, with kind of living where and growing up where I did in the UK, there's not really anywhere to ride nearby. I was like the minimum or like the closest place just to practice is like an hour minimum drive away. Um, so I've always kind of just went from one place to the next. I stayed on friends' sofas. I went from yeah. you know got a lift to like a, a race and then ended up going in another van somewhere else to go and ride the next week and kind of just just fully lived the gypsy life for yeah. since I was uh like I say like 11 12 and first started kind of getting somewhat serious with the my race and all riding because I was doing trials back then obviously so it's it sounds busy and, and pretty hectic when you explain it to people but it's literally just how I've been for yeah. for so long now it's kind of all uh all I've known which keeps you busy it's better than sitting around doing nothing Oh man, it's been crazy because I mean, yeah, obviously Gypsy Tales, like that's sort of the where it all come from, you know. It's like you kind of just once you're in the in the two wheel world or like just racing or competing in in general, you're just sort of all over the map and couches and living in vans and everything like that. And COVID was just the biggest shock to the system for me because it just went dead. And it was like the first time in my life I ever didn't travel and didn't go kind of crazy doing shit every single minute of every single day. And, uh, and then now that it's opening up and then I've traveled to Bali, I'm just like, holy fuck, how did I used to do this? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually gone the other way now of like, oh, really? like, oh yeah, man. Like just you insane. Just, you you want to be in one place now and then to go from one to the next is a big job yeah yeah it's like it actually tripped me out because eh? i was like oh back to the back to the old ways you know and then because like where i live in in this in australia is like i'm just two kilometers away from my house is a studio five kilometers is the, is the gym and then unless i go riding on the weekend like you sort of literally yeah, just in, in a circle. box yeah so it's been a, it's been a trip to change yeah, COVID was weird. I was like at home. I, I, when I stay in the well, the UK, I I just either stay at my parents' house still, or kind of between Ed. So my mechanic lives not too far away from uh, not too far from Ed. So it's like usually just between uh, like one around one of the boys' houses, and then I'll go back up home to Newcastle for like a couple of days a week, or like on the weekend to just go and to ride motocross or something with my my friends from back home. Um, so obviously like COVID hit and I was like at home, like real home in Newcastle just for like months on end. And I'd like not, not the longest time I'd spent there since I left school when I was like 17, 18 was probably like a week maximum. I guess yeah. like three months stuck in one place and I'm just like, wow, this is weird. And then I remember like that first flight, um, we actually started to like do some testing. As soon as like we could travel for work reasons or whatever, the factory yeah. and the teams and stuff were like, pretty keen to just get back to normal and, and I think I guess like um yeah justify pain were and stuff like that and like actually getting some work done so like we started to do some testing and stuff pretty early on um of like 2020 it would have been yeah like the beginning of last year so I remember like them first few flights back after like not having the bags had just been collecting dust and and usually like my hand luggage bag and stuff like that is just ready you just pick it it's up and go to the airport yeah. and then i'm like packing like really stressing like what do i what do i used to take in this bag again and like where do i keep my passport and just like 
going to the airport and there'd be like six other people in the whole airport and that whole time was just just such a mad time um and like took some some readjusting but i think um it seems like we're nearing the end of it or we're somewhat near the end of it the yeah. chaos and the the, coro- the just disruption to just everything but yeah no one kind of ex- seen that coming i expected that i guess just no, total chaos for two years are you um are you like the rest of the the two wheeled world and just frothing out on on supercross like are you sort of right in the the thick of you know like fan kind of fandom when it comes to that yeah i am i'm um oh you well to be honest i'm more in it i always have been since i was a kid or whatever but it used to get like the four five round round four five and then i'd kind of you know kind of stop being so excited for a sunday morning to to watch the race obviously because um it's like middle of the night saturday night um over here but but i'm pretty still into it this year like we started um since since obviously been knocking around with with tommy and ed a bit more um it's all kind of more you kind of, I don't know, just seems to be a bit more irrelevant this year. And then we got like, yeah. we've we've had like a fantasy league going between and stuff like that. So then everyone's kind of, it's just something to talk about on the Sunday morning. Like, oh, you did shit or what you think you're doing yeah. this or, or whatever. So the buzz is still kind of going this year, longer than usual, I'd say. But but either way, I'm just, I'm just a fan of any kind of racing on two wheels, especially off-road stuff. So um, I'm still big in the Supercross hype for this year. What uh, so? What do you what do you make bit of bit of uh, Billy Bolt bench racing? What do you make of it all so far? It's pretty good this year. I think um, well, four fifties at least. Two fifties is kind of um, mm. Craig's running away with it, but he's pretty sick. I think um, I was watching. I watched yesterday's just last night, and I was just just sat thinking it'd be so sick if they they sent Craig on a two fifty to go and race the four fifty. Uh, to go and race the 450 East Coast races because I think it would actually be pretty pretty interesting to throw him in the mix on there and keep him keep him going. Um, but now nah, it's it's really good this year. I'm super I'm super happy that um, Anderson's coming back strong and he's yeah. battling up at the front again because um, you know it's nice to just see like like I've, I'm such a fan of the personalities and stuff like that in the sport. I like to look at it quite deeply and and you know root for the guys that kind of actually show. Yeah. Show the sport because, um, yeah, it's it, there's no reason not to. I don't see like again. I'm sure we're going to get into it with our stuff and the YouTube stuff and vlogs and and whatever. Like I'm I'm kind of a fan of the whole thing rather than just the race. And so I'm uh, I'm stoked. Anderson's finding his feet again and and got the ball running and he's back on top, which is which is sick to see. And um, nah, I think it's going good. Interesting to see what happens now. They they head east and and if. If Cooper can find some form, because it's not going well for him, um, and also good just to see Eli kind of back going fast again after yeah. last year, he kind of just was was nowhere. Um, you know, he looks really sick at the minute, um, so I think it's going to be it's going to be good. I'm still locked in. I think I've got a good few rounds left anyway. I might even make yeah. it till the end of the championship. Being uh, <laughs> being a super fan, we'll see how it goes, but it's good. Yeah, the uh, it's crazy to think that it sort of seems like a two horse championship race after just five rounds. And it was supposed to be the gnarliest season ever. You got yeah, like but it Ken- was after like two or three rounds, it was like the tightest championship ever. It was 10 guys within 14 points or something like that. Or I can't, don't know the, the, the details, but yeah, for like three rounds, it was like the tightest, tightest championship ever. Then all of a sudden just bam, a couple of takeouts through DNFs. And then there's just two guys. But I think them two are definitely, um, 
have found something at the minute. I don't know whether it's kind of just the the mental approach or bike setup or what, but I think, um, you know, Anderson and, and Eli have got a bit of an advantage on everyone else at the minute. They've definitely got the speed on everybody, so we'll see if they can continue it. Yeah, well, I think that it, it's like the two dudes that have changed teams. Like mm. the, the two biggest team changes are the two dudes that have gone the best, which yeah. it's like there's just got to be something to the mentality of like, I know Ando had a lot to prove. Like he wanted to like really prove that he's still one of the dudes. And then you got Eli that's in that exact same boat. So it's like, I don't know. It sort of seems like men- mentality is like the separator because like, dude, Ando gone through those whoops. There was like a five lap period in the middle he had of that like one foot on off every lap. Where, bro, like, <laughs> you gotta fucking want it. And then, yeah. like, he just out, like, he just big dicked Eli, really. Because yeah. Eli, it was, would have been having those same moments for that same period of time before they backed it off. And that was literally just like a like a Mexican standoff. Like who's gonna who's gonna back out of hitting these whoops fast first? So I it, to me it just looks like full mentality. It's like those yeah. those are the two dudes that just want it the most. Yeah, I think so. I think the chain the team change for both of them. Um, I think all the bikes are good. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. they, spe- they all spend millions developing the bikes. Like obviously some are better in certain areas than others. But at the end of the day, all the bikes are good. I think them guys are just got. Yeah, such a, f- a fresh setup and new faces around them, and just yeah, like both have a lot of points to prove. And 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 like going back to to yesterday's race, it was pretty sick. Like <laughs> like two laps in a row, Anderson had like one one foot off, and he's just not shutting off at all. I was just like, that is so sick. But I really do. I like Ray Anderson. When Anderson's on, and his style is just like pretty loose, and he drags a leg a little bit in the corner because he's like now there's so much like hype and buzz around like Kenny and Chase's perfect style and feet up and which is good like don't get us wrong like i'm all for that as well like there's there's nothing nicer than like keeping the feet on the pegs and standing up and sitting down at the last minute and just catching grip as you exit the corner like that looks sick but at the same time when anderson's like cutting through guys and he's just turning so tight and then he's just dragging the foot all the way out the corner just because he's like hasn't had time to get get the foot back on because he's just on the gas so early like i'm a big fan of that like i rate the the looseness and just just letting it hang out and then and, and kind of just Eli's the same as well like when he like gets really going he starts to get a little bit ragged that's when you know he's going like he's he's going for it and just like doesn't matter what else happens as long as the throttle's open like the, the pair of them when they really get get on it I, I, I rate both of their styles that's kind of like the uh I don't know you guess you can't call it goals because at the end of the day like the perfect technique is like probably what you'd saw after but at the same time just that kind of looseness i i I do like and i rate and it's nice to see that they they both don't want to shut off dude uh eli's bike now that he's got like the cable clutch going again too but eli's bike at phoenix when he was out front he's you could just hear him just go crack the throttle wide open the clutch is all the way in and he's just fucking feeding the clutch like the entire track that thing would have been completely torched even through the whoops you can hear like he's just fucking all the way on it Mm. eh? and like you just sort of miss that a little bit with him on the cowie last year and like yeah, even I think you see him through like the whoops like he's like pumping his legs into the whoops even like it's just full send everywhere for those two boys yeah the, and he I, I like also you see like anderson hit hit the triple or hit a big jump and he's like crank he's like turning yeah. or just leaning so much and yeah. his head's still like 
on like full extension of his neck just because he's like got so much force going on out the corner and he's like taking a breath but obviously his head's already cranked over so he's like mid-air just like right oh, cool. and then lands and just goes again it's it's so cool to see like i would say um them to kind of have quite a good bit of uniqueness to like when they're charging of the things they yeah. do and obviously we see they, were, they both went at it pretty hard last night it was it was cool to see yeah dude now that was probably one of the cooler main events that i've seen in a while and then like just extra little icing on the cake for me was fucking ando walking the track after the podium with his mechanics walking the whoops and yeah, being like they're, they're obviously trying to find something and like the best part of it is is that people like in the the media world or whatever love to talk shit on ando yeah they that fucking, he doesn't care or he's too loose or whatever. yeah mm. and he's like he doesn't give a fuck he doesn't do this he's fucking this he's that and then you just get him coming out this year and he just does it in silence he just doesn't post about the grind he doesn't post about the yeah. training he doesn't he's just all about like cool buy my merch my chick's hot as fuck like let's go and goes out there and it's so obvious that he's doing the work and the the thing is is like he's not the guy talking about how hard he's working now other people have to talk about how hard yeah because the results are shown and also i think the last two years um i think yeah he's been had some pretty injury some it, pretty good injuries over the last couple of years and again like you, you don't really hear about them much he's not posting about them and then obviously the the the, the media guys aren't really talking about them. It's just to like the uneducated guy. I guess it just seems like he's had a quiet two years, but really, um, you know, he's had some pretty valid excuses at the same time. So now like it's all kind of coming to fruition and, and it's like, yeah, the the good times are rolling again. It's super, super good to see. And like I say, just people having fun with it. That's the best thing to see because at the end of the day, we're just, we're just riding dirt bikes. That's what we're doing. So there's no reason not to have a good time about it. Do you know what I mean? Like we've got the, the sickest job in the world. So to not to be doing it and not having a good time is, is a waste of time, I think. Yeah. And I think like I was right when we started talking about this saying like lately you've got a little bit more into it. You've probably got a little bit more into it because everybody in this world fucking froths you at the moment like you've you know you kind of have burst on the scene the last few years and you've been for me anyway one of well maybe the only guy that's crossed over this hard and like single-handedly made enduro cool as fuck like everybody <laughs> reposts billy bolt videos everyone's tagging you everyone's shouting you out and it's like that just hasn't really happened before in uh, let's say like our world of like motocross and supercross like there's just never been a dude that everybody froths in that scene oh that's nice to hear and i think it's pretty mad when you think i've come from a trials world as well not even just from a <laughs> yeah. world like that's yeah, the you're, fuck, you're a that's, kook. <laughs> that's the fucked up part about it like five years ago i was like well yeah a little bit over five years ago i'm like still in my lycra like debating yeah. what i'm gonna do with my life like still heavily relying on like sponsors and my parents and everything to just go and do like the world 12 championship thinking like mm, struggling to kind of see a, a future or like a way to make a living right and a trials bike um you know like wondering what the fuck i'm gonna do like I, I i don't financially see how i can do another year of like world trials championship obviously i'd i'd kind of exhausted every avenue of of 
of finances and stuff like that just to do that year and then there was no kind of improved offer on the table for the next year I'm like what am I going to do thought about obviously enduro and and, and I, I always to be honest thought at some point I would end up doing enduro I, I just would have liked to my, my goal was to kind of try and get to the top level of trials and then change over but obviously um that just looked like it wasn't going to be possible anymore so I ended up yeah bought that bought the bike was super dangerous on an enduro bike for a couple of years and then well a year or so and kind of figured it out started to go fast and obviously really enjoyed what I was doing and stuff like that and just kind of seen the uh we're just going on having fun really I was really enjoying um the motocross side of things and learning how to go fast and understanding that kind of thing got it for a, for an enduro guy or definitely for a trials guy got that side of things figured out you know relatively quickly obviously there's still a lot a lot of things I could improve on but kind of just I'd say cross the bridge and and just I seem to just get on with everybody made a lot of like good friends in the motor world and enduro world and everyone was just kind of um seemed to just yeah get on with everybody got invited here there and everywhere that's how I kind of ended up crossing paths with Ed and Tommy and that kind of gives us a a bit more of um a window to show like my riding and stuff in that world and I think it all just kind of blew up from there really yeah, it's a it's a crazy story. You're you're like the chick that got hot after high school. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to put it, really. Yeah, like, not like, so long ago, I was riding a seatless bike in my Lycra one piece suit, just you know, walking walking sections and trying to figure out how to ride over this rock and without putting my foot down. Now it's come to this. Yeah, it's like, uh, and you know, you get those chicks that were like not that hot in high school and then they, they leave school, get super hot, but they've actually got a good personality because no one liked them. Yeah, because they, they spent so long trying to be trying to be <laughs> friends with everybody. So they know how to talk to people. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's like literally your career. I'm not, I can't complain. It's, uh, it's the way to be. It's the way yeah, to be. It's in, like I say, it's just... Just the way it played out as well, like it's so, um, it was so difficult to kind of, to, to know what was going to happen as well. Like, like obviously a lot of trials guys come over to Enduro and stuff like that and, and, and they did pretty successful, but I, I was, I think because I was such a fan of motocross and yeah. supercross since I was such a young kid, like all kinds of racing, to be honest, I was like the first kind of bike racing I was, I remember watching as a kid was like MotoGP. Yeah. my dad was pretty pretty big well my dad just loved motorbikes him and his mates were just fanatics of everything um but like the MotoGP would be on every weekend and i remember like as like a i don't even know how old probably three four year old watching Rossi and his mad celebrations after the races and yeah. stuff like that and that was like kind of the first real bike racing i remember um and then yeah at any point because like this was obviously like pre-youtube when i was kind of like three four so at any point there was like supercross on the tv or motocrosses on the tv it would be like getting recorded and i'd be watching that one yeah. over and over again and stuff like that and um and i always like when i was a real young kid always wanted to be a motocross racer um when i was sort of like four or five i didn't even know what trials was um i was just yeah only, only like kind of knew about racing motorbikes at that point and, and wanted to to be a motocross racer um, I remember going on a, on a family holiday to America when I was four or five. And at that point in the UK, you had to be six to race uh, like a peewee or, or to race an auto. There was no like peewee racing. Mm, mm. And I remember we went to like the local track just to watch. I don't even know what the name of the track was. Some track in Florida that did like night racing. 
And uh, there was like four-year-olds racing peewees there. And I remember I was so bummed that I wasn't allowed to race and for like another year when I went back home. Um, so yeah, at that point, I still only had like had like a, a KTM 50 back home and, and was just desperate to turn six so I could go and start racing. Um, which obviously came around eventually, did a couple of races. Um, I don't think, I didn't partic- do particularly well. I think I just used to crash my brains out more than anything. <laughs> I think I got a trophy from one of them, I still have it somewhere. Um, but my parents didn't really like the kind of vibe and the the moto paddock and the moto dads and stuff like that. I think they kind of just got quite a shock by the, the atmosphere around the paddock and stuff like mm. that. And they were just not really stoked on on that kind of setup and and I think um one of the races I did there was someone in my race um got airlifted away I think he hurt his neck I don't again this was like when I was six I don't really have much of a memory of it I kind of just know how it went down so um yeah they weren't super stoked on it and and stuff like that a few people got injured and, and didn't really like the vibe so um one of my dad's friends his son at the time was already doing trials and he was like oh bring him along to watch a trial it's much more friendly all of that kind of stuff. So um went along to watch and I thought it looked pretty cool. Again, wasn't like I was watching Ricky Carmichael at the time on the TV, like it, in the stadium. I'm like, mm, it's not really the yeah. same. And then, um, but but the vibe was a lot better, a lot friendly and stuff like that. So I ended up getting a trials bike and, and um, went along to my first race, hit, uh, first trial, sorry. I think I crashed just about every section, cried most of the day and hated it, to be honest. But then, uh, my dad was pretty persistent and, and took us back a few more times. And, and yeah, after a couple of weeks, I've made some actually pretty good friends that I'm like still really good friends with now and and and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and yeah, after a couple of weeks, started to really like it. And, and it went from there, really, just from like the the hobby guy that's just got like an old bike and borrowed some gear and still riding in wellies and stuff like that. It kind of progressed um, for a couple of years and then started doing British Championship, then European Championship, then World Championship. Um just kind of followed the natural progression really from there um but that's kind of how the the motorcycling well compete like motorcycling journey started really um again like i say when i was young i had no real ambitions of being a trials rider i was only i was watching uh travis and ricky carmichael kind of lighted up in in stadiums and stuff like that and in um didn't really know what trials was but it just the path that I got took down and, and, and to be honest, I, um, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't change anything for the world, to be honest. I think it gives us such a good good base and, and I, like I said, I had some, had some really good years and enjoyed my, my time riding trials and took us to some pretty cool places, met some amazing people. Um, and now with the world, I mean, I've kind of had the best of both worlds, really. I've come come back to kind of what I what I wanted to do to start off with. So I had a pretty pretty full circle, really, and it's it's kind of leads me back to where we are now. Well, I mean, I I think that every single kid should have a trials bike if you want to be good at motocross. Like, the, the skills, the fundamental skills, like Cody Webb's a good mate of mine, and uh, I remember we... I don't know if you ever saw the edit. We shot this edit with him a few years ago called Donna Partying with him and Taylor Roberts, um, and it was, like, up in Lake Tahoe, and, man, I was fucking blown away with what Cody Webb could do on a KTM 300. Like, I'd just yeah. never really seen a dude do trials on a on a motocross bike and he kind of had the same sort of background like come from trials and i remember like i think my uncle had a trials bike but we never really rode it because we just thought it was super gay and yeah, well, uh, like <laughs> that's, we the just, rap, that's just the rap it gets like yeah 
And like now being out of it and looking back in, I like super get why it has such a, why it's so unappealing for people, which is obviously breaks my heart because I know how valuable it is and how, yeah. how such a, and, and like even just how sick community it is. And like, this has so many positives, but it, I guess it just, it's difficult to even know how to change that because it's just kind of what it is. I think, I think maybe it's like, Back in the day, kind of like the the eighties, seventies, eighties, it was kind of well, at least in the UK. I, I don't know about elsewhere or even new, but it was like you see pictures from like the World Championship and stuff back then, and it was like the thing to do. Like they were, yeah, they were riding with like the flat caps on, and they had like fags in their mouth, and they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. two thousand people along the side of this stream in the middle of nowhere, just watching these guys ride up, and it was like looked looked like. It almost had like it's hard enduro-y sort it, of yeah it like reminisces the scenes you see from a hard enduro race now um but i guess i guess um these days you see it now and it's just such kind of like a world away from um yeah. from the the motor world and stuff like that and i guess that is why it's kind of so unappealing to a lot of people but it's a shame it is like that because it does have so many values and it is is so beneficial to a, a lot of a lot of things um or just about anything i would say um you can get some value from riding a child's bike oh man if i could go back and have my time again as like i'm 33 froth riding my dirt bike but i'm just so shit <laughs> like i can't i can't fucking i can't wheelie i can't stop you like there's so much stuff that i can't do that's just like fundamental base level stuff that a trials bike just gives you in spades and i mean you know i have kids that want to ride i'll definitely be getting them a trials bike and you know after again after seeing some of the stuff and like you watch you ride you know a lot of this hard enduro stuff like they're just skills that me as a rider now I could benefit from so much, but it's like that ship has sailed. <laughs> you know, like you're yeah. not you're not bridging that gap. Like it's just it is so fundamental. Yeah, it's it it, it is things I think you benefit so much from learning as a kid. Like even even if I do a like a training school or I see like a a guy who rides enduro or even trials that's that's in like kind of middle-aged guy that's just getting into it and stuff it's it's so hard to pick up then or even if you get like a mortal guy that's only road motor tommy for example put him on a trials but he just he doesn't even entertain it because it is so different and like difficult to learn then but i think um as a kid it does benefit you so much and that's again like i'm i am pretty grateful and thankful for the the path i ended up taking because i think it it just gives us such a good base. Um, at the same time, I do think to go from trials into the motor world, there's a lot of things you kind of need to not forget, but you also need to, to, to relearn and stuff like that, um, which is why I think not too many of the trials guys can really pick up the speed side of things um, yeah. and get to a certain level. But uh, to go you know, really fast and be in control on a motorbike, I think it does. there's some things you need to forget. But as, as just in general the base it gives you is is just massive to kind of go it's kind of whatever route you like just as a a throttle control clutch control weight in the foot pegs and understanding about the balance of a bike and and even just kind of like the lean angles and how the tires work just a lot of the physics i would say um Mm. you just pick up so much and also reading the terrain and understanding ground and 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 grip levels and stuff like that because obviously you spend a lot of time walking the sections that you're going to ride so you kind of study the Mm. ground and study stuff like that i think that's one of the 
one of the things which not too many people realize, but you get such a benefit from like, we'll, I'll come up to a, a rock section or a riverbed or a, a hill climb, whatever it might be in a hard enduro race. And like instantly, I, well not instantly, but I can process what's coming up pretty fast and, and kind of make decisions about where there's going to be traction or where they're going to be, what to avoid and stuff like that. Just pretty fast, just from, you know, like 15 years of walking sections. And Yeah, there's just like a database. Yeah, I just kind of, you, you know, you know, like, oh, that tree root looks slippy or or you'll see like, oh, there's, there's water nearby. This That's probably going to get slippy in a couple of laps time. And I think you just, yeah, like I say, get such a, like, without even thinking about it, just kind of like a, the cognitive process happens a lot faster, whereas I, I see other guys that obviously don't have that and, and you see them get in trouble when it's not because they're not capable of riding over them obstacles or not. They're, they're not any less capable than what I am, but they just kind of make, you make, not as good decisions, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it makes total sense. And even on a motor track, I would say, like a motocross track, not you, you do pick up things and you you know you see slick spots or you kind of have a good understanding of how lines develop. And, and I think that coupled in with you know, obviously the the enduro side of things and the line choice from from like the classic enduro and stuff like that I've done, I think has has a good advantage when you come on a motocross track too. Yeah, and you know what else that I think comes into play as well? It's just the attitude. Because how many times can you just not get your fucking bike up a, up some rocks <laughs> and you just want to throw the thing down the hill and just like to keep your composure? Because we, we've started doing uh, this. We do this. It's a transmoto. It's like a team's race. It's sort of like it's an enduro, but they make it pretty hard and they're like they make always make you go through the shit always make you go through shitty hills and a lot of times they're like as the day goes on they're just having to cut sections out because like mm. punters just can't get up them and uh man it's just a mental fucking grind <laughs> and like i'm just not i'm not used to it when you when you come from you know you do your your four eight lap races or whatever it is on the day and then you come back in the pits and your dad does all your shit for you and it's like it's pretty cushy really but, you know, the trial stuff to, and then to transfer that into hard enduro just to like keep that mental composure and be creative in the heat of the moment and not just, you know, crack a fucking hissy fit essentially. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. That's probably one of the, uh, from like a racing perspective and, and results wise and stuff, that's probably one of the main things that I, and I had to do changing over. Like I struggled a lot in the early days with just, you know, losing my temper at myself or whatever. <laughs> like, so the bike might not have been quite perfect or whatever, but at the end of the day, like, fuck, there's not going to be any bike that's perfect to ride over that many different nah. kinds of terrain or whatever. But I'd be struggling on, like, the smallest, or I'd make a fuck-up on the smallest little shitty thing, which I know I was capable of doing, and it would just, yeah, piss us off to the point where I'd just blow my lid, and then that would be it. The, the lip would be... Well, not the lip, not that I would ever be sulking to the point like where I wasn't going to finish, but I just, obviously the, the chance of a good result was gone because I'd spent five minutes punching myself in the head rather than just, you know, <laughs> forgetting, trying to forget about it. Um, but, but yeah, like just the fact knowing what, like whatever shit situation, and you've still got to get to the top of this hill or in some races, like the real, the real gnarly ones, like you've got to get to the top of this mountain, no matter what, like that's where the track yeah. goes if you don't get to the top like you ain't getting back to the finish line so you ain't getting in the van to get back to the hotel like it's like <laughs> camp out here i'll get to the top of this hill like and it gets to the point and it's 
not as bad. I don't know whether it's just maybe it's because I've improved or they, they have realised that, like, for this to be a race, a legitimate, like, championship or whatever, like, them situations. Yeah. you just can't like, cook everyone. I, I understand the hobby guy that just wants to go and push himself to the limit, have ride the gnarliest race ever. Like, for them to be in that position is... is it's it's probably what they want to they want to experience, but like when we're battling at times like four guys together up up, up mountain for five hours, like to be in like a life or death situation gets pretty pretty severe. So they're kind of toning it down a little bit. Like it still don't get as wrong. Like there's still times you on like ledges and cliff edges going fuck me. Like if I slip here, that's not going to end well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they kind of tone it down a little bit. Um, then. Uh, in my first couple of years, like there was times when I just genuinely thought like, I'm never getting up this hill. Like I've been pushing for like 20 minutes. Like what, what, what am I doing? I'm, there's no end yet. And then again, you just keep going and going and you try and find another line, like a little bit off the track. And eventually like an hour later, you've made it to the top of this hill and you're just like, wow, this is, this is not right. <laughs> Man, I've, I've had a couple of times in some of the Transmoto races where like you've, just hit a, a group and it's just one line everyone's single filed and then like you've hit someone's back tire by like just a fucking smidge and then you're off down into this gully and it's bulldust and you can't get up and like yeah you're it's a 20 minute lap time that you've spent 45 minutes stuck <laughs> in the bottom of a hill no one's coming to get you it's yeah the, the most demoralizing first, shit my first romaniacs um romania is is for like those that aren't kind of in the know the sport I would say by far the hardest race, kind of most really? gnarly race. The terrain, yeah, like it's five days um, of just the most mental fucking mountains you could ever imagine. Like the hills, I've never experienced the hills anywhere near as long as, as what they are there. I don't know how they, they make hills that just go on for so long. But anyway, my first year um, was when I was still kind of just like kind of privateer, just winging it. I had a few good people helping us, don't get us wrong, but I was still just winging it on the bike at ball and just, just totally like yoloing it. And um, didn't have a clue what I was doing, didn't have a clue what to expect. I'd done Erzberg earlier that year and, and it came fifth, starting from the second row. So I was like pretty confident, like thinking, yeah, I've got this hard enduro shit figured out. Like it can't be that difficult. I've just come <laughs> fifth, starting from the second row. Like, yeah, I had reasonable levels of confidence. Then went into this race, which was like real mountains. The first time I'd ever rid in the mountains, like properly in just the first day just blew my mind down just like I got to the service point which is about halfway I think it took like four hours to get there and I'm just like said to my dad and the, the guys I was like what the fuck is this like you can't ride bikes for this long and then anyway that afternoon I'd had a few crashes and I was riding a bit shitty like kind of just survive, survival mode ended up um crashing off the track it was on not even on a like a different particularly difficult section there was like a fallen down tree which i'd hit and it kicked us a little bit ended up going off the track um and like pretty like not far off the main line but like in in like loose shaley rocks thinking like oh this isn't ideal so i tried to kind of traverse across the hill and kind of make my way back onto the main line and then these rocks just set off like an avalanche and just slid for probably like <laughs> oh. like 50 meters just like in this rock avalanche just like and then eventually stopped and i'm like now like 50 meters down from the track thinking uh, there's no chance i'm getting back up there so I'll, I'll head down and it went into like a bit of a stream and followed it all the way down i'm like just at this point not even worried about finding the track anymore just wanted like a road 
or some form of life. <laughs> heading down, it turned into a bit of a stream, got quite steep in a few sections. I like had to carry my bike down a few of the bits and then eventually gets to the bottom and it's just a lake, nothing else. Like a, a cliff, a, a straight up probably yeah, 20 meter cliff into the on the left side. And then the right side was this, that like a bank, but the same shale, which I just kind of slid down. So I was just like, I'm fucked. I'm literally like at this lake. Didn't have a clue where to go. Like, stuck called called the rescue number like i've gone off the yeah, track here the like you have like um two gps's which kind of tell you where the track goes so i give them my coordinates or whatever that look luckily um i had phone signal and like it wasn't rain and it was like pretty good weather so i was never like really in danger but as like a young kid like my first day kind of out there in the mountains just like what the fuck i'm stuck eventually like the uh, one of the guys that the organizers had seen like where the, the rocks had slid at the rock avalanche had been. So he kind of knew where I was and he left his bike there and walked down to me. And then um, he found us. And then my dad and my mechanic had set off from the nearest road, which was about um, about two k's. They'd kind of like traversed across by, by the waterline of the lake. And we all kind of met. This was about six hours later after I'd called for help. <sighs> So I'd just been laid there wrapped in my emergency blanket, just kind of like trying to sleep or trying to uh, just like pass the time away. Um, uh, th they'd arrived like six hours later and we just kind of like carried my bike across the side of this lake back to the van. Um, and that was like, that was my first day of, I'd say like a real hard injury or like the gnarly ones. That was my first day. Got back to the paddock. At like 10.30, woke up at 4 the next morning and got made. Well, I didn't get made, but I wanted to start the next day. I thought, if this is what I want to do, I've got to get every ounce of experience I can from this week that I'm here. Obviously, like, I DNF the first day, so you get one chance of a DNF and you can start the next day. And if you DNF again, that's it. you can't continue. So I thought, I need to get every... Uh, if this is what I want to do and when I want to be successful, I need to get every ounce of experience I can from this week, so... Woke up at four the next morning and set off into the mountains again for another day of struggle. <laughs> Fuck, that is too much, Billy. But yeah, for like the first day, it was an eye opener. That's for sure. I'm just like, well, this is a this is different world to the trials world. Put it that way. <laughs> oh, and like I just can't even imagine the head noise that you would have been dealing with. It was weird. It went just before it all happened. I was obviously like my usual younger self just full of rage and just so angry at myself for riding so shit and then 20 15 minutes later you realize that i'm in a pretty gnarly situation now like this is dangerous like i'm stuck and like in a in the middle of nowhere literally a lake was in front of us and at one point there was they were trying to find like a boat to come and rescue us on because they thought <laughs> that was going to be the easiest the easiest method just set off this boat across from the other side of the of the lake because i could get down to the shore um but obviously then it, there was no way it was like cliffs either side if I got down to the show. Um, so that was a, that was talk of and like I say, just the the most bizarre feelings ever. And you just like, this is a this is a gnarly world that I'm in now. Like I've got to man up. And I'd say that that is still the race I struggle with. The last two years I've been there, I've made big improvements and I've actually I, I fourth's my best result there, but I've won 
individual days and everyone's stages and stuff like that and like made big big improvements riding like in the mountains and stuff like that the last couple of years um but it's took a lot of work like i spent quite a bit of time in italy at the beginning of last year just riding mountains and trying to trying to harden up because <laughs> coming from the city in the uk we don't have any mountains to ride in and, and it's definitely a, a different world to what i was used to what's the what's the process of getting better at that shit um it's hard work like for me um and, and especially like the speeds that and the intensity we're riding at in them situations as well like we'll be like switch back in like zigzagging up a mountainside like literally as hard as you can as fast as possible like not even taking a second every time we do like a pivot turn just um but i think just being in there like it's difficult to comprehend kind of how steep stuff is um so just yeah being amongst the uh being in the mountains and riding the the super steep kind of gnarly terrain kind of long days it's difficult in england and in the uk we don't really have any big areas which is like mm. legally allowed to ride bikes in um so everywhere you go to train for some races it's really good you, you have to make like a short lap and just pound out like an hour more or something like that which is super intense and and that's so for some areas really good but for just the long kind of six seven hour the days of, of shit just grinding it out it's so difficult to kind of to replicate so um just being out in places where you like i say some some uphills can be like 30 minutes 40 minutes long just the same uphill so kind of just being in that situation and and um i spent quite a bit of time with manny um who was obviously second in the championship who i battled with last year and he's probably the best at, at riding that kind of stuff um he's been yeah he's from germany like lives in the mountains obviously spend all his life kind of in there and we just just guard and just uh, long days we take like some saws or whatever just to not that we cut down trees or destroy nature or anything but it's just often handy to have them there um, yeah. but yeah just like like i say making new tracks and just you so you spend quite a bit of time like walking up the hills and moving trees and like moving rocks to kind of make new passes and open stuff up and and um yeah like before you know it you've spent kind of eight nine hours in your gear in your boots and your knee braces between kind of riding and opening trails and moving rocks and it's just like i said just the length of time um and just spending yeah a lot of time grinding away which for um for them kind of races is what you need to do um and like i come back now and i did like a, a british extreme championship race yesterday which was two and a half hours and <laughs> it's like a some sometimes in like the big the big um the big races you do two and a half hours and you haven't even reached a tank point or a checkpoint or you haven't even seen anybody yet in the morning you, you like set off at six thirty and you get to like to nine and it's the first time you've seen anybody else out on the track or you've got to a checkpoint or whatever it's like it's it's crazy it's difficult to prepare or, or even like there's not anything anyone could have told us that would have prepared me mentally for what I was, yeah. what them races, or even physically. Like, there's nothing anyone could have said that would have prepared us for what I was going to encounter at them races. It's just like so, so different to anything I'd ever experienced. Um, but it kind of, it from that first day, like where I was stuck in that that whole first year, I was pretty shit and struggled so bad. Like the 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 hills were just kind of destroying us. I really like it. It proper lit the fire to kind of figure the figure it out yeah. and, and work out because obviously, like the the shorter races, like your Esberg stuff, like that, where it's it's all kind of in a small small area and just super technical stuff like that. I kind of I had that figured out from the beginning, but it was always the the longer races, the 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 gnarly 
grind what I really wanted, what, what I struggled at and what I've had to work hard on. It's almost like, uh, almost like ultra marathon running in a way. Cause it's like, you've got the marathon stuff, like, you know, the Boston marathon or whatever you got your 42 Ks and you can train for it every day. You've got a road, you've got your splits on your Garmin and you can, you know, you can build up to it. There's kind of like, there's a way to prepare almost, but then you go to like those ultra where you're doing like hundred milers or whatever. And it's through the night and through the terrain and the way it almost just comes down to like, you can't really train for it. You can't really practice for it. You've just got to be a fucking psycho on the day. Yeah. No, it's very true. Like, like I say, you can't go and ride a bike for seven hours every day to train for a race. Like it's just physically impossible. It, you, you'd be going to be, smoked after like one week of that kind of training program but i think you just need to kind of everyone's different as well like you got to find what you find most beneficial mm. and and go with that like i i find um you i get a lot from like riding motocross and stuff like that uh, between motocross and kind of the like i was seeing the long extreme like days just kind of riding riding the hills riding extreme kind of stuff is obviously gives you like the grind and, and riding a, a hill which would be probably too hard to race up but at the same time you're just pushing your bike up is just is just getting your body into a, like a routine of, of pushing and working on the muscles because like to go into a gym and, and, and replicate yeah. pushing a dirt bike up a hill is just kind of physically impossible sometimes you're pushing it just using the handlebars sometimes you're having to lift the back wheel up you know it's so just to do that and then a mix between that and like riding motocross which i think is is also massively beneficial not just because um you learn how to go faster but just just in general you think on a seven hour day how many corners are you going to ride around like mm whether they be flat, whether there be a rut there, whether they even sometimes, and like um, you, you're riding like real like fresh forest kind of loam, like real nice terrain, wh whatever it might be, you're going to ride around probably thousands of corners in a day. If you're like efficiently riding around every single corner, you're saving, I don't know, you might save yeah. a second, you might save two seconds in some corners if you really get it efficiently, you break early, you're smooth, you're efficiently riding around, you're saving time, times that by the however many hundred or however many thousand corners you're going to do in a day, which is, is not a lot, but at the end of the day, it's probably a decent amount of time. You're efficiently riding around it, so you're saving energy. You're energy. not being like aggressive on the brakes. You're not wearing your tires out, which again, one corner doesn't make a difference, but at the end of a six-hour day, it's probably going to add up. Um, so I, I just, I find like to be to learn how to kind of ride efficiently in control like smoothly around the, the motocross track replicates in so many different areas even kind of i find you're coming off like a, a fast section of the track into like a, an uphill or whatever just just getting used to being sat down riding through rough stuff on motocross track or like seat bouncing the mm. motocross jump just being sat in the seat and letting letting the bike hit something obviously the bikes are set up completely different and it? it's not 100 percent like replicatable but at the same time it, you're just used to kind of letting the bike move underneath you letting it hit some rough stuff sitting down off something it's not going to kick you over the handlebar stuff like that there's just so many different areas which i just think you become so efficient and at the end of the day it adds up to to seconds and even minutes on um on a long day so for me it's just like in terms of of training it's kind of a cross between the two like the super long grinding out days and then and then a couple of days at the motocross track a week and i think it's a it's a pretty good mix for, for me as well it keeps it pretty fresh like 
if I only rode extreme enduro and, and only yeah. pushed up hills all day, I'd get pretty burned out on that as well. Like it's fresh to go ride moto, do a couple of motos fresh, uh, do a couple of motos and push and, and try and get faster than, you know, try and learn how to whip for a little bit more and get super dangerous and sketchy until the mechanics are case. That's enough. Get off the track. Yeah. Now you're getting far too dangerous. Um, so it just keeps it fresh. And at the same time, like we're pretty lucky, I think with our sport that you can kind of do anything and it's going to be like beneficial. Everything counts. Yeah. It's anything is going to be beneficial in one way, shape or form. Like even still, I, I don't ride a trials bike too much anymore, but a day on a trials bike is also quite good just to kind of sharpen up on the balance and the real, precise kind of things um but yeah like pretty much anything it is actually beneficial in one way shape or form um we need I think, a lycra edit <laughs> yeah i do husky don't make a trials bike so it's it's i can't really post anything of oh, riding a trials bike yeah. anymore but to be honest my trials bike days kind of consist of just doing jumps these days now anyway like <laughs> I last for um I last for about an hour doing something serious and then we just go and find, because on a trials bike with not having a seat like you can get some pretty gnarly scrubs on the go just kind of leaning it over <laughs> ridiculous amounts and just that's about all it gets that's about all I'm good for on a trials bike now. So the the you got a crazy story of when you did decide to transition into the enduro world you basically like you said you went to was Erzberg kind of like your first big race that you went to and then yeah. you were just like literally a nobody at that race and then started off row two and then got fifth like and then what happened after that was even fucking crazier yeah I actually did um another race in France called Alice Trem which was in the January of that year so I, I, I bought the my enduro bike um in December of 2015, um, was it 15? Yeah, December of 2015, I bought the, but just went to the shop, borrowed the money off my mom, went and bought a KTM from the shop. Um, and at the time, I was, and I had um, a few people. I had Julian Stevens, who was working with Johnny Walker quite a bit at the time. He's worked with quite a few people in the past, like David Knight, Teddy Bazuzia, like a lot of good guys. And he was kind of one of the guys who, who was kind of pushing us like, there's probably a career in extreme enduro fire. Like he sees a lot of good and stuff like that. So he was kind of advising and then had a couple of other people um, who he kind of brought in uh, to kind of help and assist and stuff like that. So we actually went and did, um, did a race in France in January, um, but you had to be road legal. And at that time I could only ride a one, two, five legally on the road. So I actually ended up, we borrowed a one, two, five, it, looking back, it was just the stupidest idea ever. We borrowed a 125, but I'm like, yeah, like 90 kgs, oh, 94 kgs, 95 kgs on this 125. Like, again, didn't really know what we were doing. Like, we had hard tires on and, and pretty hard mooses riding a 125. Like, that was just hell. That was that day took us nine and a half hours to finish. You know, it's just, I think I got seventh in the end. Um, and it was a super, super tough race. It was meant to be four laps, but they cut it down to three because I think Johnny won and it took him like eight hours Anyway, just pretty much died. Wasn't prepared. Didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, so went to um, went back home, trained hard uh, as hard as I could. Kind of tried to figure out. Watched obviously every video I possibly could of Esberg. That was like going to be the, the goal. Like that was the next step. Um, People spend like their summer or whatever, like trying to learn video editing off YouTube, and you're trying to learn Erzberg. Yeah, I'm like watching every single video of Erzberg from from every year, like figuring it out. Um, 
but that was like next on the calendar. Like we're going to go to Esberg. We had a couple of problems like in the the like few weeks before um, with a couple of sponsors and stuff like that. Ended up the the guy who was um, uh, gonna gonna provide the bike couldn't couldn't make it anymore. Or whatever. So in the end, I used had to use Julian's own bike, which was like three years old. So that got like had to have a full revamp like the day before we left. It was like the most last minute job just to get there. Oh. Um, but he'd actually had some quite good connections, obviously, with the KTM factory guys because, obviously, of his work with Johnny and he'd worked for the, the factory as a mechanic before and stuff like that. So I had quite a good, like, foot in, in there. And then and then at the time, um, Johnny, this is Johnny Walker, was injured. So there was a space in the truck and they were like, oh, we don't mind. You can come and work out the truck, whatever. And, like, they'd had, like, a poster made. And I just remember, like, everybody was coming up just like... Um, it was like Taddy was there, yeah. Cody Webb was there for KTM at the time, and then everyone's just like staring at the poster, like like who the fuck is this? Billy Ball? Like, like <laughs> literally nobody had a single clue who I was. It was brilliant. Um, but like just this kid, yeah, I've been riding in jail by a couple of months, and I'm just like the most stoked kid ever. Like my bike's in the truck of like the Rebel KTM truck. I'm just like, what is going on? I'm at this gigantic iron mine in Austria like trying to walk the track try, I, and, I, and I did like that whole week I worked so hard to try and like walk the track and figure it out and like um, Esberg's a bit strange it's, it, it's quite everyone's kind of like super secretive about where they're going to walk and, and stuff like that mm. and the organisers are pretty secretive about marking the track out like they try and leave the track as late as possible to put the yeah. arrows in so you don't know exactly yeah. where it goes so um so like everybody's like super stingy all weekend. Like whenever you see a higher car, leave the car park. You're like, quick, quick, get in the car and follow them, follow them because like access into the mine and stuff like that. There's like, there's like um, boom gates and stuff like that, which it, it, no one can quite figure out how they open or what they open. So if you can follow somebody in, it's <laughs> worth the. So I remember like the whole week, I'm like super alert, super active. Like whenever I seen Graham or, or someone like that leaving, I'm just like, running over to him, can I come with you? Like just literally doing everything I can to figure it out. And um, and yeah, qualified the first day, I think like 20th. So that's comfortably like on the front row, um, no problems. And, and uh, I was yeah pretty comfortable, pretty confident. I actually wasn't even going to take the second day's qualifying run, but in the end we said, the, the KTM boss said, no, everyone in, in the truck has to do the second day for like Mark Mead. Uh, so it looks good for Finos the company or whatever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So which I which I get, which makes sense. Um, but at that point, the track gets so rough the second day for qualifying, like it's unheard of that anyone goes faster. So like we, I set off. Um, I hit this puddle of water, which just completely submerged me and everything. My bike ended up dying. I had to take my filter out, squeeze it, and then to get the bike to start again. So like my time was was gone. Um. Uh, I'm just drenched, dripping head to toe, cruise to the top. Like that time was like two minutes slower because I had to take it, but still not really worried because no one ever goes faster. But um, but because it had rained, which is obviously what made that puddle, the track was it was a lot grippier. And then get the results come through like nine that night, and oh, they're like pushed you off, Billy, fifty second, and I'm just like, oh, that's not good. Oh. Um, so like yeah, was, but now since then every year the the second day has been faster that was like the start of the trend where the second day gets faster for some reason but but at the time for some reason which looking back now i feel like that should have stressed us out knowing how i was back then so bad i was just like that's ah, fine like i wasn't remotely worried i remember like getting the news just before i was about to go to bed 
And I was just like, ah, it's fine. I'll be okay. I was like, not, not phased at all, which looking back is, is pretty mad. Um, so yeah, I started from the second row and just went like an absolute madman for like the first 15 minutes. I, I like, I'd love to have had a GoPro and I was just like smashing people out the way left, right and center. Like it was just, that day was just, I, I just, for some reason it was like, right, this is it. This is like the day to show. Felt like your shot. Yeah. I'm like, it was kind of like an audition, I guess, in a way like this is it just, the factory's obviously watching. I've been under the truck. I'm like having dinner with like the bosses of, of KTM yeah. and Husky and all of that kind of stuff. Like doing my best to like come across like a nice presentable young lad. Like, uh, they know, like I'm worth investing in or whatever. And, um, and I just, yeah, it was just, just like on a mission from the start. Um, yeah, smashing people out the way. Like I need to get in, like just, just taking literally no prisoners. Um, <laughs> And it was going really good. I got, yeah, obviously from 50th into like 20th, 10th, whatever. I got into about fifth. Um, and then I was in fourth. And then um, my chain came off and wrapped around the front sprocket and got oh. stuck. And like I was wounded. I was like in fourth, making good ground to catch. I think Graham, Graham won it that year by a mile. And then I think it was Alfredo Gomez and Cody Webb second and third. And, and I was like, making ground catching them like you never know I, I think probably would have just come short of the podium I would have been tight for third um but yeah my chain came off and like completely wrapped around the front sprocket like I've got like whatever I could find around the mine trying to free it off got like crowbars in there whatever else and then uh was completely stuck and um if I'd have known that what I know now like the, I was actually like just about literally 50 meters away from where the service point was earlier oh. in the race but the vans have to stay there the whole race i wasn't I, I was literally a two minute run from like the mechanics but in the end dad was like fucking around for ages um trying to free it off and then like obviously I've, everyone was like watching on the live stream because it was it wasn't even on a difficult section so there was like no tv cameras nothing in the end um news had got through and then one of the mechanics was looking for us and luckily he brought the tools to, to take the swinging arm out i had to do it all myself um because it was no help zone so i like got the swinging what? arm out. i'm so pumped up at this point like my arms are going mad i've got like i had some tools with this but obviously not to do do that so i've got like my uh, bum bag spread out everywhere. I'm so pumped up. It's like three quarters of the way through the race anyway, like just panicking so bad because um, everyone was coming past us and like just fucking knocking my bike as they rode past. And I think I dropped back to ninth, um, dropped back to ninth. Anyway, got the got the chain free, swinging on back in, um, set off again. With, there was two, dif two difficult sections left. There was um, Dynamite and Lazy Noon. Uh, and yeah, it's just started passing a few people. Um, I think I'd passed two people in dynamite and then, um, Taddy weird. There was, everyone was stuck on lazy noon pretty much. Um, and they're like m only the first quarter of Esberg, you're allowed help. And then after you get to like the, the, the hard parts of the race, it's no help zone. So, but obviously it's like the most hyped race all year. There's TV cameras everywhere, helicopters everywhere. So there's just like so many people at the top of this hill and like three guys stuck halfway on, like they'd give up trying because they didn't think it was possible. Um, and and they're like busy, just like digging themselves, trying to get to hard ground on this super shaly, super shaly hill. And um, I had, I almost got it on the first go. So I was like, I had another go. I had another pretty shitty attempt. And then I'm like, all right, lined up for the third goal got super squirrely at the bottom 
ended up going completely the wrong side, like off the main line up to the left-hand side. And, and there's videos somewhere of like me on Lazy, and I'm just like left, right, all over the place and just keep it lit all the way to the top of this hill <laughs> and get out the top and pass pass back into fifth. And um, yeah, it was that was it really. It was like a pretty much a, a flat run to the finish. And I was just the most whirlwind of, of emotions for a couple hours. And that was it really. That was the... That was when I kind of arrived and uh, it all stem spiraled out of control from there. Really got um, got a little bit of help from KTM for the rest of that year and then signed for Husky for the, at the end of that year to, to start from 2017. But from like, yeah, five months into riding an enduro bike, that was pretty mental. That is probably one of the gnarliest, <coughs> gnarliest moto stories ever of a dude just coming from nowhere to being instantly one of the best dudes in the world yeah it was so weird like it kind of all just felt right like at that time as well before i went to romania because this is like oh it all went well Esberg went well and then i was doing like um the British Sprint Enduro Championship, like the classic enduro, and obviously I was I wasn't that good at it, but I was like progressing really fastly, and it all just kind of I felt like you know I, I felt like I was the boy to be honest. I was like I've got this figured yeah. out, like this is this is this is the shit, like this is what I was meant to be doing, like this is all good, and then um, it was all going well. Then I went to Romania and realized okay, these guys are fucking gnarly, a lot gnarlier than I thought. Like I need to man up before I can get anywhere near these guys. So that was kind of a a culture shock but to be honest um the romaniacs the the prologue which is like the first day of racing which is in the city um is like a super mental contraption they build all sorts of crazy obstacles and stuff like that like basically racing like an arena trial section in the city yeah and um there was a press day the day before and uh like not many people could barely even get around the track everyone's getting stuck everywhere and then i was just like thought this was brilliant there's cameras on us all over the place i'm like wheeling everywhere there's a video i think there's probably like 12 13 logs in a row in like a balance beam to go over them but i was just like missing the balance beam and just like wheel tapping i wheel tapped the whole way through and um that video went it still pops up every now and again now that's from 2016 and i still get tagged in it like all over the place um so that kind of press date was probably, um, and I've spoke to like the Husky team manager and stuff since, and he's like, no, that, pr like after Esberg, we were pretty much decided we were going to sign you. Then that press day was like, that was it. The deal was done. So thankfully the press day went well. And then in the, the, the prologue, I think I finished fourth. Um, I was, I, I was second for most of it, but I just died. Like at this time as well, I had no fitness whatsoever. Like I was trying <laughs> to figure out what to do, but it was still also new. Like every race, I would just die of like fitness cramps, everything like that. So um, the, he said the, the press day was when he sealed well, sealed the deal. And uh, I guess it's thanks to that video of his wheelie and through the logs. So if any kids are out there watching anytime there's a chance to to show off just go and show off as much as you possibly can because it definitely helped me dude it's so crazy like so you have just basically no money no job yeah nothing then... i i was literally um i had a, a sponsor like a, a long-term sponsor and i was a little kid who had would go and work at for like two three days a week yeah. literally just get enough money in cash to just put some I had a, I had a um a little van because I, I, I was so young I couldn't get any insurance on a on a van 
like a normal van. So I had to have this like, it's a sitting Berlingo with like windows all the way through. It was like a disabled van. That's literally what it is. Like what you'd wheel a wheelchair into the back of. So I'm driving around in this. I used to have to fold the front seat down and, and strap the forks down. <laughs> so like, cause the, the handlebar height was too high to fit in the roof. And then the, the back wheel used to have to go into the passenger seat. So I'm driving around in this, like literally getting like enough money to, to survive. I'd, I'd work maybe like the Monday or the Tuesday, just doing labor jobs, literally whatever they'd want us to do, just, just to get enough money to go, to go and ride for the rest of the week. And then I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Scra- like taking tires out the bin from like the demos, uh, Graham's mechanics workshop and whatever else he was throwing out. I'd be like, I can have this and just, just fully scrounging it to get by. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, like I say, I'd pretty much... I'd borrowed the money off my mom to get, to get the bike and, and kind of just my parents would give everything to kind of get us to where, where I was, which, you know, I'm always thankful for, but they had nothing left. They were kind of still helping us wherever they could or for the, if there were some flights or whatever, and just kind of beg stealing and borrowing off everybody relying on sponsors for that year. But kind of by the, the midpoint of, of that year, it was kind of, start to get a little bit of help for KTM for parts and bikes and stuff like that um, for the second half of the year. And it was kind of looking like I was going to get the factory ride for the year after. But um, yeah, literally from from a year of just full big steel, borrow, whatever, just getting by to, to ride for the factory team. And what was it like to sign that, that contract and see the dollar sign? Like I'm sure it, it's gotten bigger since then, but to just see some zeros... Yeah, it was mad. Like, to be honest, it was looking back. I feel like they definitely had a good deal for the first couple of years. Like they really, they were, they weren't. Uh, they could have definitely been a little bit more generous. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was mad. Like it was like the proudest, one of the proudest moments of my career. I would say just to to finally, you know, be able to call yourself like a factory rider, a professional rider is like what I'd wanted since forever. Like I'd never ever at any point in my life thought I was going to be anything else. Um, mm. Like that's literally all I ever wanted to do since I was a kid. That's all I could remember. I used to play like every other sport when I was in school. I was on every team, but at the, at the end of the day, like I was going to be a motorbike rider no matter what. And like I was not, despite like my dad would constantly just be like this isn't happening forever like you're going to be having a job soon because we can't afford to do this anymore like he was like the most down-to-earth parent ever like he never once kind of blew smoke up my arse or like said like he was like the complete opposite I'm like no no it's fine I'm, I'm gonna I'll sort it out I'll be all right I'm gonna be a professional rider don't worry and he was like no oh, you're fucking getting a job soon son because this isn't lasting forever like you'll be, you'll be having a job before long and like to finally just just know like all right like now i'm not relying on anybody else to go and ride my bike anymore and like and this is a difference from being like literally reusing every part to its the inch with an inch of its life to take a broken part or whatever then just like the fact i remember my first ever factory bike came i was just like a practice bike came in like the december time um i was actually injured i couldn't ride it till the january and um it was January in the UK, like I went and rode in just this this field, which was about an hour from my house, just shit all, like absolute mud fest. But I just wanted to ride my new bike, and I'm literally just like riding around this absolute swamp of a field, and uh, it's at like a, a farm, a local farm, and uh, 
I washed it there. Just I washed it afterwards with the jet wash there, and it's obviously like a big agricultural jet wash. It, it blew the rear fender sticker clean off, and I'm <laughs> like, oh shit! I don't know if I need to keep that. So like, I remember I've I still got it. Um, in the it's in under like the sun visor of my van. I thought I better keep this sticker just in case they need to put it on for like the first race. And looking back, I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, if we need these new stickers every time I ride the bike, if that's what's necessary. You know I mean, like the difference of just just parts and and possibilities of you know you want this you want lower handlebars you want higher foot pegs you want a higher seat you want to change you know you want a shorter shock you want a longer foot like just the the amount of resources that you have literally just like that like within the change from the end of december to beginning of january it's just like the the world kind of just i like i just unlocked a new world i'm just like wow we're here now it was, uh, and and then like just the the personal like validation i guess you know because you sort of like i kind of <clears throat> i can relate in a way like i always just told my parents that my parents the same thing like yeah you gotta get a job you gotta get a job you gotta get a job and i was like i'm not getting a fucking job yeah. i'll tell i'll work my <laughs> ass off but i ain't getting a fucking job and you know like for years and years and years you like for me anyway like I, there's so many times i just felt like a fucking loser and you know you'd see people getting houses and all that sort of shit and like you're just hanging on to this dream of you know for me like for the longest time it was the filmmaking side of things and then mm. kind of got unlucky and then got lucky again like my unluckiness kind of turned into luck with starting the podcast but it was just like i remember feeling like fuck this actually finally worked like i finally have something that like someone can't take away from me yeah i my, my, i think it was, mine was just kind of the the feeling like like I, i'm on my own i can survive on my own now more than anything yeah. and like yeah. like i said don't get wrong like their first contracts like i couldn't have went and buy a house or anything like that but it was at the same time like all right i get this is where my bikes are coming from like I, here's my my vehicle i'm like the rest is on me now. I'm paying for our flights to go to every races. Like it was just like, yeah, well, this is, and, and it meant like, it took us a while to switch like the mentality from like surviving, mm. doing everything to get to the race to like, okay, at, at first, and my results weren't particularly great in the first year. But when you think looking back, it's still like my second year in the sport. So like realistically, <laughs> they didn't need to, like they weren't meant to be great. And, I, and I'm like pretty thankful. And I, and I was actually speaking to like a few of the Husky bosses the other day. And like, I'm like, what, um, I don't know what you were thinking, like sticking by me, looking at results wise. And they were all like, nah, like we knew like eventually it was going to come, but it was, it was all just kind of about like my mindset switching from surviving and doing whatever you need to do to get to the race to like, okay, what do I need to improve to get better? Mm. And like, that was then the main focus. And it, it's, it's such a difficult switch to do. Um, and like, you've almost got to become like a little bit selfish or start to like think about yourself and, and then think, okay, what do I, where do I need to be better? Like in, in, go from like yeah do whatever you can to be like save as much money as possible to spend to go to the races like skimp out on whatever you can like dodge pain for this wherever you yeah. can take it now i need to pay for everything like what i need to be better whether it be you know recovering going getting a mask go and having a scan if you're injured whatever stuff like yeah. that okay like i'm injured i remember i had problems with my shoulders both shoulders that first year road just from crashing so much hitting so many trees <laughs> literally just blew both ac joints uh, that first year I hit that many trees and like that I remember like 
the first few months of Ryan Verhusky, I was like, okay, well, these need to get fixed. No one was really, I didn't really have any answers. Okay, I gotta go and get a scan on these two. And I'm like, ooh, that's how much these cost. And I'm just like, <laughs> but but at the same time, it's like all of it just was part yeah. of like the, the switch of like, okay, now I, the position I'm in, I need to be in the, put my best foot forward every time I race. And then that's what's gonna get results. That's what's gonna get resigned for the next year. And that's how it's all gonna roll. And it's, like I say, it's a strange switch to do when you've spent your whole life surviving and just just dreaming of being in that position yeah it's such a strange switch to make but but it, eventually we got there and like i say by probably the end of the end of 2017 my first year of husky um i didn't have any particularly good results i didn't win any races i didn't i got one podium that year and but i but I, by the end of the year i felt like okay i'm starting to challenge these guys and, and you learn so much like i remember my first ever suspension test the WP mechanics, like, what do you want? I'm just, uh, I don't know. I don't really like how this bike feels. Like, I, I, I felt more comfortable on my old, my stock old bike, but I don't really know what I want. And obviously, it was like the first time we even met, so like, we didn't have much of a relationship anyway. Yeah. Whereas like now we're just like, got each other, how each other talks and like the language, uh, like our own language down to a T and like he kind of knows and I kind of know what he's thinking and stuff like that. But like the first test and just, uh, I don't know, like didn't even have a clue what you could change. Like, yeah, yeah. you can do, you, I usually just do this with the clickers like and uh, whatever, like now nah, you can change shims, you can change oil level, you can change, um, you can change springs, like the whole world, just understanding that literally you can, the whole world is available at your disposal is a, is a weird feeling, but it's also like the dream for like any kid and was my dream anyway. Like I, whenever I was a kid, I even in school, like teachers, like you need to write a CV or you need to decide, you need to start looking at what unis you want to apply to. And I'm not going to university. Like I'm going yeah. to ride world I'm going to ride the world trials championship. And then we'll see from there. Like I pretty much my last year of school, managed to kind of accumulate just about enough money to do the World Trials Championship that year from sponsors and, and people helping or whatever. So like, I'm not applying for no universities. Like uh, my, ma my mom made me go to do like college, which in England you finish school and then you have two years of like mm. extra school and then university. And because my birthday is in August, which is the end of the school year, I couldn't drive when I left school. So my mom's like, well, we can't take you riding. You can't drive, you're going back to school. So I was like forced back for that extra two years, like against my will. Um, luckily I found school not to like sound like a like big headed or anything, but I found school reasonably easy. Like I could kind of pass all my exams mm. without putting too much effort in. Like, um, I did pretty good in school and I thought if I'm here, I might as well have a crack. Like, I wouldn't say I put a, a massive amount of effort in, but I thought if I'm here, I might as well, you know, pass at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah. The, and then, so the second year, that's everyone's like, well, uh, the teachers are like, you need to apply to university. I'm like, I'm not going to university. Like I'm hundred yeah. percent not like that's, that's not for me. I'm just going to ride my bike and whatever happens, happens. And they're like, oh, you need to do a CV. What happens if it doesn't work? I'm just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm riding my bike. Whatever happens. If I have to live in a tent, I'm living in a tent just to, so I can ride my bike. And then yeah. I guess, a few of them have messaged us since, like, I'm pleased it all worked out or whatever. I'm like, yeah, well, you fucking weren't pleased for me to go down that route a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's that, that, uh, I, I always call it like that broke bitch mentality because, like, there was a switch for me that happened, like, probably October 2019 when, uh, Rones, the young father, like, one of the young boys started working with me. 
and uh, mate, I fucking like was just literally I'd pay him, <clears throat> and then my account would go to zero, and I was just like fuck every time <laughs> that it happened i was just like back to zero back to zero and i'd have enough to pay like my rent and all my shit but like it was just constantly going back to fucking zero and like i was the guy that i would just set like every every like bill would be late I, i'd wait till like the last day to pay because you just you're so like whenever you've got any kind of money in your account like you just want to keep it there because you just don't know when the fucking next lot of money's coming in and it was funny actually sammy moore he uh he just said to me he's like mate your life will change the day that you just get over it and like you don't give a fuck about how much money's in your account and like you get an invoice pay it that second you get your fucking boys gotta get paid pay it that's just get rid of money as fast as you can out of your account if it's something that needs to happen for you to, to benefit get better the, the, and yeah. he's like and your life will fucking change and i listened to his advice and i was just like bill bang pay it pay it. and it like it created a, a little bit of like momentum for me and then I, it just completely changed everything but i was just went from just fucking the brokest mindset and making everything last and not getting the new camera and instead of getting like a proper video light i'd go to bunnings i'd get a fucking like a porch light you know like yeah. just do everything you can to fucking scrounge and yeah there is like that sort of tipping point and then the i guess like the stage then that you've got to go through is like uh not trying to go back to the those old ways when there is money in the account and you can't afford it and you know like you, you got the habit to like want to cut corners because uh you sort of you got to pay to play you know yeah no i think there's a happy medium to it as well like uh, it, it, obviously you can go too far and and you can you can you know, start to kind of forget where yeah. you come from as well which i i i think you know I don't feel like I'm at, at, at risk of that happening. But at the same time, you know, it's always slightly conscious. Like, I don't want to... I know how hard it was for the people yeah, around us like to PTSD, get us. you get like PTSD, Yeah, like, I know <laughs> how hard it was for, like, the people around us to, to, to get me to where I was. Like, don't get us wrong. Like, we, I, I, I had a really good upbringing and, like, a great childhood and, and you know... But I, and and I was never like, I don't want to sound like well we put everything in like there was there was yeah. always but food you just on had the table. realistic you had realistic but I always parents. knew like the strain it was putting on the family and like yeah. like at the same time like I had it was never like oh you can't you can't we don't have any new clothes this year we can't have yeah, you can't yeah. this never anything like that but I just knew I, I could see the strain like financially it was putting on the family to to have me riding a bike at the level I was so I'm like always kind of thankful and appreciative of that and never want to kind of go too far the other way where it's like ah doesn't matter anymore like whatever like i'm sorted if you know what i mean it's like um it's just where it's at yeah yeah and, and i think yeah it's like it's not like yeah you're gonna go fucking homeless for it but there's a certain point like when you've got responsible parents that are got a kid like you said you're a smart dude you could do anything else it's like you just as a parent you just don't want to see a good kid that could do other shit just like chase yeah. a fucking dream that's not gonna go anywhere you know like yeah. there is a point where people just have to cut it off for you if yeah, it's not I, gonna work I, I had a split to me and my mom was always like nah my mom was always on my side she's like don't worry he's gonna be he's gonna be famous and he's gonna be she was like 100% like she'd blow all the smoke up my ass like it's gonna happen it's like what'll be will be it's gonna happen like a bit of like the 
the, the mystical side. Yeah, 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 like the yeah. universe is going to favor him. Like he's he's meant to be. Uh, she, I think, I don't hundred percent know the story, but she'd seen like some psychic whatever she'd went to see when I was a kid, and like this woman had told her that I was going to be famous when I was older. I, can't, I don't know the ins and outs of the story, but I've heard of it a few times. I, I want to actually get her to, to tell us it anyway. She'd been to see some woman, said I was going to be famous. So she's always like, nah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That was like in the end why she, she lent us the money. I lent the money to lend me the money to buy my enduro bike because my dad was like support. He'd wanted us to change to enduro for like the last couple of years because he didn't really see a future in trials and stuff like that. But but I obviously that was my dream that was my dream to be like a world trials champion. Um, so we'd kind of exhausted it every possible avenue to kind of make it work and then it didn't. So then, I, but by that point I said, no, I think I want to do Enduro. He's like, oh, well, there's no money left to do it, whatever. He kind yeah. of switched a little bit. He was like pushing us to change over like a couple of years earlier. So at that point he's like, well, it's a good decision, but literally they're like, we can't afford to yeah. do it again. So it was like, my mom was like, no, this is the calling. I guess like went for like the old kind of mystical approach, the universe, this is the time, whatever. So like, Mercury she was like, retrograde. yeah, <laughs> like my dad's always like, no, fuck this one. You're getting, a, you're getting a job. You're getting in the fucking real world. Cause this is it lasting forever. And she's like, no, this is the time. And she was like, so I had, had a pretty good balance to be fair. My mom always kind of give us the, the push I needed, like to the reassurance that, Nah, it was gonna happen at some point, and then, but definitely got got humbled and stayed grounded by my dad. Like, uh, and even like when I started riding, got like a husky ride or whatever. He's like, "Oh, you fucking shit! You haven't won any races yet. We'll see what happens or whatever." And like, he's like, just the most like I I just enjoy so much the balance I I got from the two of them. To be honest, like even now, like I'll I win a race in like at the last indoor. I um I was second in the first race, then won the last two finals, and he's like, "Oh, you were shit in the first final, though, weren't you? You stole <laughs> it and got stuck on that log." And I just get such a good grounding every time I like, go home. I speak to someone from home. That's just such like a part of English culture. Eh? I think that's yeah. the that's such a shared thing that Australians got from England is just like that that banter eh? and like you know I think I mean sometimes people take it too far like with the tall poppy shit like but when it stays in that banter form like it is so good there's yeah. no there's there's just no way with like a good group of like Aussie or English mates people will let each other get too far ahead there's very few yes men in our cultures yeah definitely like you see it everywhere it to most people, like it comes across like me and my dad probably hate each other, and yeah, just constantly yeah. fight. But we're just like, no, whatever. Like, what you fucking idiot, and what the fuck you doing that? Like, it's just constant, just at each other's throat. And like, even um, we were in Spain in December time, and uh, me and Johnny and Manny were riding together quite a bit. And me and Johnny are both from like North England, so like we're just just belting each other. Oh, we just roast each other constantly, like. <laughs> you and then Manny's like, keeps thinking like we're generally about to start fighting. And like so many times you could just see the look of concern on his face when he's just like, what's, what's going on now? And we're just like fully roasting into each other. And uh, we have to keep reassuring him like, no, no, this is normal. Like, I yeah. call everyone, whatever, like every name under the sun. But we were good mates, don't worry. Like, it's, this is fully normal. Oh yeah, no, I love it. It's yeah, it's a, it's such a good part of our culture. I actually miss that when I lived in in the US. Like it was mm. real hard to get that like back and forth with people. Like it was just very taken by way too literally. Like you yeah, just could I not call imagine. anyone a cunt. 
Yeah, well, I, oh, if we're saying it on here, Alex, if we were, every single sentence between me and Johnny is like, you daft cunt or you fuck whatever <laughs> else. It's just like, it's just so normal. But then you see it to like in the wrong time when someone's not expecting it. And it's literally like, you're just like, like they've seen a ghost or something. Like, nah, it's just normal. Everyone in England's a fucking cunt. Oh, mate. I, the, the last, we did the podcast with uh, Casey Stoner and, uh, every youtube co- we got like six thousand new subscribers on youtube from that episode and mate the fucking people that were like this host is a fucking jo-. well they didn't say fuck actually they're like this host is a joke his language is disgusting and i'm just like oh i wish you just understood where we come from like yeah, we come from australia mentally. mate like fuck off yeah people are meant i had one comment on one of my youtube videos saying well i actually looked at his account and seen he'd commented on a few i never i hadn't noticed any of his earlier comments but he did this big long essay saying uh. how, how vulgar i am and how the the peer or uh, uh mobility group whatever is a is a country as a company built upon this or whatever and this i do not meet the criteria blah 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 blah, blah. just went on like literally just the and I just, you could just tell this guy had not a single clue about what he was going on about or anything. Nah. And he said, oh, he's, he's, I, I forwarded this video to Mr. Pierre and I hope he can help you better your career. And like, oh, just the most, just stupid, stupid. And I like, so I like showed a f- like a few of the people at the factory and stuff like that, like a couple of the bosses and they're just laughing at it. Like, thankfully, like the people around us are all kind of understanding of what we're doing. And, and, and because I think, um, me and my mechanic are both English. It's kind of rubbed off on a lot of like yeah. people around us and stuff like that. And like we're the same, just completely at each other constantly. And it's just like they, everyone kind of gets the vibe. And and um, I think for the most part, it comes across well. But you do just get the f- absolute oh. idiots that just come out of nowhere. And you're just like, what are you on about? In YouTube just seems to bring out the most bizarre comments ever compared to like Instagram. And, Instagram's and, sweet. It, it, you get the odd guy just shut up but then youtube they just they just come out from nowhere on youtube oh man i've i posted a thing the other day uh on my instagram where i was just like mate comment while you can because like the the channel is I getting see to the that point. actually yeah i was like oh at some instant- point i'm not even gonna look at them or nah, something like that i'm just not going there because like i just can't fucking stand it and like i wish I'm sorry to hijack the podcast here, mate, but fuck, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on one. But like, I wish people would understand too that it's like, the the two comments that pissed me off the most are like the swearing thing. It's like, all right, yeah, I probably do swear too much. I'm Australian. My dad said fuck eight times before I he got me out of bed my, in the morning. My dad splits fucks up to put swear words in between the middle of the word fuck. <laughs> like, you should yeah. hear him on the phone to one of his mates and you'd just be like, okay. <laughs> Uh, 100%. Yeah. And, and like and the thing is is like all these people that i'm talking to on the podcast they're all my mates this is how we talk off camera they're sponsored by that person that person they get paid millions of dollars so like they've got a reason to button it up but that's how they fucking talk trust me nah, if. i i don't get paid by no one millions of fucking dollars i'm the boss so i'll talk how i want to talk is that fair and then the fucking second one is the oh he talks too much Mate, it's four hours, three to four hours. How would you feel if I locked you in a room and fucking interrogated you for four hours with just dot point questions? You'd be out of the room in half an hour. But then the, the, 
tuned in to listen to your show, but do they expect to not hear your voice? Like, yes, people, people genuinely <laughs> do. <laughs> people are mental. Comments, oh. they do blow my. I've got such a love hate relationship with the internet and just the modern world. Like, it's so amazing for some things that it does and and, and what you can do with it in in the the platform it gives you. But then it just gives a platform as well to people to comment that that you know realistically that the, these people would never be in an air like to, to be in a position to have a conversation with you or they would never <laughs> be in a position to broadcast any opinion that they have to the to your audience like it just wouldn't happen they, they don't have no right to be there but the fact it's just an open place for anyone to just spout any shit that want, <laughs> they want to come out of their mouth and it just makes me hate the world when I see some of this like I, I'm pretty I never, I never ever get caught up by it, and it never really bothers us. But I can, I can fully understand why people do get bothered by it. Like I, I can switch off and say I, I don't give a shit. I post what I want to <laughs> post. I do, I do what makes me happy. Like if I don't like it, I don't post it. If I enjoy something, I post it, whatever. Like if people don't like, it, I don't care. But I can hundred percent see why people get caught up about it, and like it just, just gives people that don't deserve a platform such a big platform. And the end, and the problem is they comment, and then however many people believe what they've what they've just yeah. read is is when I when I see a problem and when it really starts to piss me off and when I don't like it, and it's just like, come on, like you don't. It, it just makes you hate the world that we're living. To be honest, at times. Yeah, well, the, I think that's like the a big part of it is like. It'll, it's always too like you can see the trends of it's always on videos where like other people say it so it's like you have a video where like no one says anything shit and then as soon as there's a video where you'll get like two shit comments it's yeah, just like, like there's a way in now like yeah fucking get him. yeah everyone wants to get in on it but the my favorite response is just like mate you're right. Send me your podcast with Daniel Ricardo, and I'll sit and take notes. Or send me yeah. your four hours with Casey Stoners, and I'll take notes. And like, you try not to take it personally, but like, fuck, like the money that the money that you spend to give people free content, and you're oh, just pe- like, fuck off. And then half the time you do respond, and people are like blown away that you've even responded. Yeah, they're just yeah. like shit themselves. Like, oh my god, can't believe you've answered. Like, you were just shitting on us before. Like, just fucking people are mad. Uh, so that's my rant over sorry Billy I fucking hijacked nah, your podcast I'm fully I, talk, I talk too much mate ah fuck him I'm fully in agreement though like the the shit people come out with these days is just just, just mental and like it, it gives them such a platform that they don't deserve yeah the uh, that's a it's a good segue though into media because you are one of the guys that basically we, well, all right. Were you doing Instagram and like being the fucking biggest lord ever before you got <laughs> famous, or like so this was just something that you just you rolled on into, and as you got more steam and like more notoriety, like people sort of associated it as your brand, or was it like a very calculated thing where you're like fuck all these other twats that are boring as batshit. I'm going to be cool and like do my own stuff. Like how, how what was your mentality in that game? Um, I, I think it's always been there to be honest. Like I've been posting on Instagram, like videos. I don't know. I feel like everything's changed so much in the last few years. Like it's now acceptable to go oh, at the end of the day. Oh, just videos, videos, get a clip of us doing that for Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Like before it yeah. was like a taboo thing, like, like not a taboo thing, but like boyfriend's like, Instagram. It was just like, oh, 
really? Like, do you need this video? Whereas like, I think now it's just like, like my mechanic or whatever is like super down. He, he, he doesn't really get the whole media world too much, but like he's obviously seen the podcast. He's seen the vlogs. He's been around me and Ed and, and can understand like what we're doing. And he's like super down. He, he, he understands the value of it now. But like three years ago when I used to ask him, he's just like, nah, fuck off. Like it's just, it's, it was just a lot hard. Like I was always trying and pushing for it. And like, I always kind of seen, wanted to have an online presence, I would say ever since probably like 2013, 2014, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, like, so you've seen it early. My last two years of trials, I was like trying to make a thing, but obviously at the same time, trials, trials is, is never good. It's, <laughs> it's trials. Like as much as I love it, it's like, it, I always love trials. It's just, it's, it's not cool at the end you, of the day. You will be able to bring it back. Well, I, I used to try, but, but obviously I had no following back then. Like it was, it wasn't, um, and, and, and. I was, I was a kid at the end of the day as well. Like I, I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of videoing or whatever, like getting video. Like I, I could have done a much better job looking back now, but at the same time, yeah. I'd, I, I'm, it, it was just kind of what me and a couple of my mates wanted to do at the end of the day. Like we used to fuck around and, and try and do some jumps and try and look somewhat cool. And like we did backflips yeah. on Charles bikes at one point and stuff like that. Um, so like I've always, it's always been there. I've always like wanted to do it and I've been kind of, um, wanted to have an online presence since I was, since I was young. Like I used to watch, um, quite a few s stuff when I was like a kid. I used to watch Brandon Seminox web, web, yes. web series or whatever it was called. Life behind, uh, life behind bars. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that what it's called? I used to watch that a lot. And I used Shout to just out think to like, Brandon Seminox. yeah, he was like doing vlogs. I don't even know. Like when was that? Like 2010 or something. That series was, it, that series. It would have been with clay Porter. Um, it, well, it used to be called a webisode then. Is that what they yeah, used to call them? Yeah, yeah. And I used to watch. I used to watch that a lot. Um, and used to watch quite. I used to watch quite a few of like ski snowboard movies and stuff like yeah. that. Like I always, I was always like hundred percent focused on competing and and getting the best results possible. But I always used to watch so much other shit like in school. Like I used to. Um, for some reason, like in, you know, school computers, like YouTube yeah. blocked and everything's, yeah. for some reason at my school, Empora, do you remember that website? Yes, dude. I, Empora used to be unblocked on my school website for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I had videos get hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of thousands of views on Empora back in the day. That's where I that, used to first post videos. A few thousand of probably off me when I was sat in school. Like I, I'm trying to even think what I used to watch a lot back then. Like I used to watch all sorts. I used to watch, um, Parks Bonafi wakeboarding yes, videos. Yes, yes. But like, I know nothing about wakeboarding. Like, no, I still don't. But I used to. Did watch you ever a lot watch like the mountain bike stuff? Like, uh, fuck, like Chain Smoke, New World Disorder. Yeah, Chain Smoke. Uh, where the trail ends. Yes, I, yes. I, I love that. Uh, Did you ever get into like Earthed? Do you remember that? No, I don't think I watched it. That was a mountain bike DVD that was from Dirt Magazine. Fuck, it okay. was like. I used mate, to. Well, I used to also. It that's still another thing. Up. Which which I don't like is how dead magazines don't exist anymore, um, because and I keep saying this. I've got a younger sister. Um, I've got two sisters. One's one's eighteen and one's uh, eight. So there's some quite big gaps. But my my middle one was never really too interested in riding too much. Well, she never really bothered. But my younger one um, is big into riding. Like she loves riding. To, she goes racing. Her and my dad go racing every That's weekend. Um, so like my dad's full circle. He's like super involved. Like like. All it all that in. He's like dad. every weekend. He's like, well, now she's obviously 
a bit she's more fortunate like I can sort bikes out whatever she's got like yeah. a jazz bike she's got a motocross bike she's just got like do whatever you want so obviously she's got no interest in riding trials because no kids do unless they're forced to it seems like so she's she's riding <laughs> motocross and endure quite a bit but anyway I'm like you need to get her magazines because I remember as a kid this was we didn't used to have an iPhone I used to sit in, on like a six hour drive to like a British championship and I would study magazines. I'd have like Dirt Magazine, yep. Mountain Bike UK, um, yep. Dirt Bike Rider. I'd have like, and I would just study like the most bizarre shit. Like I'd study what finger riders used to use on the clutch and I'd look at where Dude. people, what, I'd yeah. look at like stickers on bikes and, and I would, and I remember just like cover to cover, it would be like the same magazine in the van for like a month at a time. So I'd be like every journey looking at the same pictures. But I honestly think it just benefited us so much. Dude, I 100% agree. Yes, this is not the same. Like you zoom in in a picture on Instagram, it's 100% not the same. Like I remember like so many pictures that like even like I say to Tommy, he's not really like cottoned on really, but I used to be like studying pictures of him in dirt bike rider from I don't even know, I can't even think what year it was but like when he just came back from America probably on Kazaki um, I'd be like yeah studying pictures of him like all MXGP guys like I'd, I don't know I feel like I just got such an influence from so much because I was just like watching and, and looking at so much so much different stuff um, so like ever since then like since I watched the Brandon Seminox stuff yeah stuff like that I always Aside from racing, I always wanted to, to be like him. Like, I wanted to have a track at my house that's and a, a guy that comes in videos. Like, that's always been, like, a dream in the back of my mind because, um, obviously, when you when everyone's putting so much effort into getting you to races or whatever, like, it has to be, you have to be, that's kind of the goal is to get results or whatever. It's always difficult to kind of dream outside the box, I guess, when it's, you know, so difficult to get there in the first place. But I've always kind of, yeah, like I say, wanted to be that guy. There was, uh, um, the Athertons also did yeah, a webisode yeah, of yeah, Red Bull. Yeah, the, yeah, theirs was yeah. pretty cool. I'm trying to, th there used to be a few I used to watch anyway and stuff like that. So like, I've always just, that's kind of always been what I wanted to do as well as racing. And, um, and I can always feel like it was possible, but obviously it, it requires you got to know what you're doing to a certain degree like now with how easy it is to pick up a camera pick up a phone and make a vlog it, yeah. it's a lot easier but it's still difficult like like i tried to make vlogs a couple of times before kind of ed eventually said like you need to make vlogs like your personality the amount of different places you're going it's like entertaining you need to do it and i'm like i've tried it's just not as easy as it seems and then it was like Ed that finally gives like the kick. He's like, we built the track at Ed's house. He's like, let's vlog this. Let's video it. So he did all of the first, the first, I think it was like seven or eight episodes. Um, and they went down like pretty good, like all pretty consistent. I was kind of expecting probably like a spike, like one got mad views, one didn't get many, but it was just like super consistent growth, like real solid comments like everyone supportive and i was like oh, i'll keep it i'll try and keep it going and stuff like that then eventually that was pretty much the kick really like i did mm. did a couple on a gopro and now like okay the audio is not that good and this like well let's get camera and then and then just kind of spiraled from there really and then but wanted to learn kind of like everything i do i like really wanted to learn figure out how to do it and stuff didn't want to like rely on ed to do wanted to be able to obviously it's nice to come home and if he video if he videos a, net, a vlog or whatever he'll edit it and it's like a super nice nice one to look at and nice crispy editing and stuff like that but i can and you know i wanted to, to get to a point where i can kind of survive and keep it going on my own and stuff like that so that's kind of brings us to where we are now and like I get, the instagram kind of i think just developed 
alongside that really like mm. from the start of enduro i guess it, it has a much bigger audience so my instagram grew pretty fast within the first couple of years of enduro um but i always just do like i i think there's a lot more i could do to go it faster like i see stuff that's trending like everyone's riding like big adventure bikes and stuff like that now and it's it's getting crazy numbers but to me it just just not cool like i just don't i just not on board with it like i understand why a lot of people hobby guys are people people think it's it's it it is impressive to see the bike do that but at the end of the day i feel like there's so many people that could do the same thing like i just i just do whatever i think whatever I yeah what cool you're into yeah i don't i never force it like it's just like and again if no videos if no videos happen from there that day like i go oh that would have been cool to do but it's like not a big deal at the end of the day like it's all just not forced i think that's why it comes across so well is like it is just super raw as it is like natural what if mm. i think it's cool if i'm happy with like there's times i've asked people i've got videos and i've asked like roxy my girlfriend or mechanic to stand there and i'm like oh, i don't even like how it looks in the end like they've, they've stood there for like 30 goes or something and then i haven't even yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> i don't like i know for a fact it would still go crazy like people would love it like you could do a wheelie people go men people froth over it you know what i mean they love it but i'm just like oh, i don't really like it it's not that cool so I, i'm pretty critical of it and like i know that's kind of a downfall and that's a little bit of a drawback to it but at the same time it's like i want it it's something that i want to be proud of and i want to kind of take you know look back on and and, and you know be, be proud of everything that i've that i've done on it to be fair yeah yeah that makes sense man you're so right uh, like i think about this generation like just the pure instagram generation like have missed out on so much dope shit like i i should post a photo one day if my parents still have all my magazines like i would have legitimately hundreds and hundreds of magazines that i read from cover to cover like i was i mean i've always been pretty big into reading anyway but like dude the magazines was just like a thing for me and then the the dvds i mean i got pretty lucky i think it's probably why i ended up going into filming my uncle actually made some pretty famous mountain bike dvds he was kind of like one of the first dudes to ever like kind of write like get into downhill and he made Mm -hmm. like the first downhill movie and stuff so i think i probably got into it through that but like yeah our generation of crazy dope like vhs tape mountain bike films and you know like the snowboard films and all the crusty demons and you just sit there and you'd know like even me and ricardo were talking about it like you know all the words to all the songs all my music tastes came from all of these films and you know you can still put in some of those dvds today and just be like fuck we had it good and now it's like 15 minute like a 15 second fucking tiktok songs that looking you just scroll back, it's just the same song every single fucking reel looking back it was such a sick time and, and um it also the just the lack of availability i think was super like it, it, looking back is probably annoying like i remember i had nitro 2 i think it was the one yeah. where street bag the one where street bag tommy over she's the phone <laughs> um and that was like the only nitro circus thing i thing i had for a long time i probably got it for christmas i guess seven or eight something like that and that was the only nitro thing that i had for for so long just because like you didn't really shop on the internet then so like in the uk there wasn't a big thing so like if anything that would come up 
of a DVD, a crusty DVD, whatever, like my parents would buy and I get it for Christmas or, or my birthday yeah. or whatever. Like, but they didn't know what they were buying either. Like I remember like I got like the crusty soundtrack CD. My mom fully thought yes. it was the DVD. I'm like, that's I thought sick. it was the DVD. I plug it in and it's just like the soundtrack. So I was like, oh, well, that's better than nothing. Like used to stare at the picture. I probably... Steph Henslow, whoever it was, about to award themselves on a June. That was like the picture on the front of the the CD cover. But like, yeah, that was the the Nitro Two was the only Nitro DVD I had for so long, and I used to just know the whole words of like the voiceover guy, what yeah, chapter was yeah. coming up next, and yeah. whenever someone would say something stupid, I'd be like seeing it as they came out. With it. I think just like you just valued it so much more because there was so much. It was like. It was Rare. it was so valuable to you, and then I remember the the Travis uh, 199 Lives DVD yeah. came out, and I was like, a bit the internet is a bit obviously a lot bigger back then, and I'd kind of caught wind of it, and I'm just like, I need this DVD. Like Travis was like the god, literally to me at that point, like the god, and I'm just like to my dad, I need this DVD, and he got it, bought it off the internet like from America. Obviously, I had to pay like import duty or whatever on it. Then I just watched that like repeat, repeat, repeat. We had a little. Um, like a little DVD player in the back of our van, we, old van we used to go racing to, and that was just yeah, just on repeat. That was it over and over again. It was just, and like you say, exactly the same with the magazines. I just study just the most bizarre things. I remember even like the, the advert, the shop yeah, adverts in the, the magazines. Yeah. I'm just reading fucking every single thing yeah. just because I just wanted more and more and more. Whereas now I feel like there's just too much for kids. They can't choose. Whereas that kind of probably what, give me such a drive to want to want to do more want to be more want to be in the magazines i'd want it because i just had such a like love for them and yeah i'd sit i'd get in the van pull the magazine out the pull the magazine out the side pocket and that was it me for the next two hours just staring at just pictures of the whatever i could find yeah it's so sick man and like and i mean for you your way of uh, i guess like i because i always think about it as like the culture like i just love the culture of writing and like i always wanted to add to the culture like i never knew that i'd be well, i i always knew i wouldn't be a writer like i was just never that good but i always just wanted to like do my bit to add to the culture i wanted to mm-hmm. be someone that like made something that was like in the you know in our culture and it's like yeah. I, I knew i couldn't do it writing so it's like that's why i think i love this so much is it's sort of it's a different time it's a different age just a different medium but it's like this is my way of kind of like trying to contribute in that same lane you know mm, but so many perspectives are shared as well like we kind of both have the exact same memories yeah. of like the couple of dvds that we have which we just used to just smash over and over again like magazine style like i'd watch literally anything i'm yeah. just trying i'm trying i can't even think like the others like surf stuff work and i know nothing about well a, a little bit but like i'd literally watch watch anything like that if it like had something to do with red bull in it i'd be like well, that's it i'm watching that yeah. or, like whatever yeah. it, whatever it might be i would just like that's uh, sick and like i say the amount of hours i spent in school just on empora just watching yeah. just whatever yeah. anyone had made it was just I, I think I was probably a little bit young to really appreciate how sick of a time it was. Like, yeah, I'd just be watching it because it was like, it was something to watch. What you're you know into, what I mean? yeah. Exactly. But like now I've obviously making videos a lot more and stuff like that. Like if I was a little bit older, I definitely would have appreciated it even more. But at, at the same time, I'm, I'm pleased 
I was in the generation I was and not any later because I definitely think the, the kids these days haven't got it as good. It might seem easier and they've got every, like every 10 But it's more shallow. A, yeah, definitely. Every 10-year-old's got an iPhone and they can go and watch whoever Instagram story and see what they've been up to that day. But like I, I'd watch like the Nitro DVD and just like wonder and just what is Travis yeah. Pastrana doing? What is he doing today? Like, and then, and then you get onto the YouTube and you do like the, the house tour video yeah, uh, yeah. like the like the x games um pre pre-show videos where like they'd give us house tour or they'd like show you like a couple hours of him like in the form and i'd just be like wow like this is the coolest shit ever dude my uh one of my ones that i just like probably the dvd i played the most was uh was the great outdoors 2004 when ricky got the perfect season yeah like every song like i knew every clip i could have i could have if someone gave me the raw footage of that dvd you do the buy silver uh, no i could have cut it back together uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I yeah you knew someone, exactly the cuts yeah i knew the songs the cuts like yeah all the voiceover oh fuck it yeah it that was a sick time man that was but, it was it's not and it's such a shame like there's no real movies or dvds or oh it's just but I guess people's attention spans just aren't like they used to be. It's just next, next, next. Oh, we'll do 10 seconds on this clip rather than five seconds. And that's like, that's that's good these days to get someone's attention span for 15 seconds as opposed to two seconds. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy the, the speed that we live in these days. Well, I think that's what's cool about the podcast stuff though. Like, I mean, mm. you guys do your podcast for over an hour. This is always, I try and make this always three hours plus. Mm. And I mean, our retention on this is crazy. I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I think that there's, there's definitely right a place there. for it. Yeah. You are probably, probably right there to be honest. I, I do agree. Um, yeah. Our podcast has gone really good. Like I say, it was that, that just come by chance. I just, said to, to ed like we need to do a podcast like i've just done one like i went to one of the a couple of um road racers that live nearby me do do ones called chasing the racing um oh yeah so a shout out to them because without theirs i was probably wouldn't have started um yeah, yeah they, right, they're, yeah. they're super close to me and they, they invited us down to the well round to the studio they've got a pretty cool setup they have it in like a trailer in yeah. the drive to all like the british superbike races with like the studio so like they just get whoever guests at the race or whatever and That's anyway they, invi they invited me on and it was like my first time kind of with the headphones and the microphone and in the studio and i just proper proper enjoyed it like it's nice to just sit down and talk and just yeah it, it just yeah just happened and i was just like ah, that's pretty sick and then and then while we we're on there we just obviously started doing vlogs at this point and tommy hadn't even started his own he was just in mine but it, it just so, the first few ones of Tommy in mind when he's like, oh, "This is stupid," and he's like so against it, and he's just moaning about everything. It's just comical, <laughs> and uh, and and I just thought, Fuck, like the vibe we have, and like big time when we're, when we're just sat around talking shit in the garage, yeah. which we do for like an hour after we finished riding. Anyway, like that's people would hundred percent be be all in on that, and like yeah. plus obviously the base we have and the amount the different people that come and go on like every every week like between you know other riders or whatever and 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 we could probably push it more and have a lot more guests or whatever but at the same time there's only so much time you can you can put towards it but i just said to ed like we need to put in heads on i don't know i don't even know if it's gonna gain that well like, no honestly i don't care whether it makes money or not i've just sat for two hours and talked shit and i thoroughly enjoyed it like we need to do it and he's like coming in i was like 
Um, I just got a sponsor for a video I was about to do. And um, and yeah, their sponsor was like a thousand pound or whatever. And I was like, this podcast, there's a four man podca- podcast kit here for like a thousand pound. I'm buying this one. They, they, they were getting sponsored of the next video anyway. Like, let's just crack on. So I was like, ordered it. He's still like not convinced. Ordered it to get sent to his house. I was like, well, it's coming to your house tomorrow. So you can just set it up and figure out how to work it. Because like, obviously I haven't got enough time to work out how to work that. So then anyway, a couple of weeks later, we sat around and went from there went went pretty good and then by that point he's like oh i can see how this works to be honest like he'd obviously sold a few more pairs of underpants because we'd been talking about yeah. it and he's like like everyone, a few people wanted to get involved with it and it's like, oh, it was a good idea yeah well i think like i mean i'm obviously all for it but there's like a a real rare level of access that it gives you because mm. you know you can't and it's for better or worse too like that i mean the criticism that i get like people want to talk shit like that's really who i am (laughs) like if you're talking shit like you're not talking shit on like a persona like it's that's really me and and that's like the good and the bad of it anyone that can't realize that that you're talking for four hours you ain't going to put an act on for four hours of talking like it's not gonna it it, it's it doesn't happen like it's just what happens it's it is probably the most raw form like you know anyone can anyone can pretend to be someone else for a 12 minute vlog or whatever but you sat for for free i think people just realize and i think that's really why it, it benefited tommy so much and got tommy's like he's he's perception people's perception of him especially in the uk has improved so much because obviously when he was at such a high level there was no one heard anything about him no one knew what he was doing he had a few injuries and no one really knew why his results went shit or whatever and everyone just thought he wasn't putting the effort or whatever and people actually now know him he's got it's definitely benefited him you know massively obviously i've luckily and thankfully never kind of been in the position where i was where he was where he was you know just getting abuse left right and center and stuff like that and that's that's it's really cool to see really how it's kind of benefited him and, and, and now he's got such a good image because he's you know there's rightly so he there was no he wasn't like he wasn't working the ty- the years that he wasn't mm. getting results like i know for a fact he was working as hard as anybody else and like i've seen the effort that he put in the motor guys put in and it's like people finally realize okay there's maybe more to the story and and that's one of the reasons to probably tune in is to to just listen to see what comes out and i guess like those that have been at the top level or even like you and ed who've been around the top level just know so much more about everything do you know what i mean like mm. it's hard to describe like they know like some rider needs this or some rider if he eats that then starts puking up and feeling shit or whatever. like the finer details that you know which you don't even think about like to some person that's just like mind-blowing like some mm. details that that and then and then if you just you know without even realizing drop drop a little bit of insight into the that kind of life it, people probably gonna benefit so much and get so much value from it. Like you know, like I've I've listened to your podcast and the times you've been talking about like being around James and being around like Bubba and the stuff you've you've talked about from like being around that era and being around him whilst he's been training, I'm just like, that's that's some cool shit right there. Like that's this is hundred percent worth tuning into for, do you know what I mean? And and I guess there's so many instances and and it's almost better that it comes out without you realising you're saying something like mm super cool to somebody else like the which is why i think your yours has come so successfully like this way way more insight and knowledge coming out than you even realize and or way more useful things or stuff people find cool or stuff people want to listen to and stuff like mind-blowing stuff that comes out than you realize and i guess we're probably the same like whether it be some 
minuscule piece of information about mm. the bike setup or something to do with training or something to do with nutrition or whether it just be something stupid that you know about someone people just pick up like i know i do like when i listen to you so i guess we do the same thing when we're talking about whatever race it might be or you know whatever it might be dude it's a, it's almost like the new magazine that you read mm. from cover to cover yeah, yeah kind of pretty you know, true like, like if you if you listen closely and you pick up yeah. pick up on certain things like like you just go, ah, oh, that's cool. Like, like I say, um, and like I, d- I listened to a little bit of the Casey Stoner one as well. I haven't got all the way through that one yet, but some of the shit he was saying, like, it's just the thought that he was, that he goes through about the most minuscule things. And you're just like, that's, that's some cool shit. Like what he's on about. I don't race. I've never rode a road bike. I've never done a knee slider, whatever, anything like that. But I'm just like the thought processes that he's going through in in, in like the the minuscule things that he's changing and, and and stuff like that. Like that's that's just cool to listen to that kind of knowledge about something. Uh, I probably wouldn't care if it was like non motorbike related. Like if he's going yeah. into that much detail about some shit. But the fact it's like it's, it's super relevant wheels. to me and it's motorbikes and I'm just like that's and obviously I know obviously Casey Stone and my dad's a massive MotoGP fan and Casey Stone is like one of his favourite riders kind of after Rossi and stuff like that. And I know the era when he was winning on Ducati and stuff like that was like pretty unheard of. Like there was no one else could control that bike at Dude, the time even and like stuff like that. We didn't talk about it, but like Bridgestone tires, no yeah, one had even that won was, on those that was, tires uh, That was in before. the era when there was like the tire, the tire rivalries and stuff like that. Like there's just so much cool shit. Like, and I, and I guess not everybody picks up on it. In mm. fact, I, I know most people probably don't. Like, people listening, they're like, oh, that was cool. Like, kids don't know. I was, like, riding fast or whatever. But when you really think about, like, the the things he... When you process the things he was thinking about, like, it is it is pretty cool. And, like, I think back... Like, it makes me think about my racing. And I'm like, I actually think about things a lot, lot more than I realise. And I, I think probably a lot more than people realise. Like, I think people just see me as a bit of, like, a big daft lad that just likes yeah. to have a laugh and a joke around and just fucks around and doesn't really care just cool videos or whatever but for when it comes to racing and, and stuff like that I definitely um, I'd one of the bigger thinkers I would say of, of people in my racing but I don't really realise at the time and then I think about how much he thinks about it and I'm just like oh, I think about things quite a lot too like you know weighting of the pegs and foot position and there's a lot of thought actually goes on in, in my world as well. It's pretty cool. It's just nice to kind of, I don't know. I, I just benefit so much from it that, that I guess you don't, you don't realize you're producing it. And I guess obviously we do the same thing. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about uh, the trial stuff before, I was just, I had all these questions and then you just <laughs> literally answered them. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, that's so sick. Like you actually, cause I, I kind of, get the vibe from listening to some of the stuff that you guys talk about that you are that way of thinking and i mean that that's my that's my jam i love to think about shit in 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 detail because i hate to think about myself (laughs) so it's like i like to think about problems and uh and you know whenever i see other people that really think shit through i'm like fuck that's my guy right there (laughs) so yeah like when you were talking about the the trials side of things and like what you learn from Mm. from trials that you can apply you know like just with you know the way that the soil moves and like the Mm. tire and the grip and it's i was just like fuck yes that's that's the juice right there yeah it's 
I think I've got a good mix of both as well. I can, I can also switch off from it as well, and just because I think you got to, you've got to have a have a good balance. Like I obviously can, I, I read okay. The more times you try this hill, it's going to get better. But at the same time, and even kind of when it comes to like setting up your bike and stuff like that, I like actually really enjoy mm. testing and 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 um the. The factory, I've, I've done quite, well, not a lot of testing, but I've done quite a bit of testing, some R&D testing and stuff like that. And I really enjoy, like, feeling for changes and stuff like that. But at this, so I really enjoy R&D testing and testing stock bikes and st- uh, testing new stuff. But when it comes down to, like, testing and fine-tuning my bike, I really dislike it. And I'm like, because yeah. I start to think about it too much. And, yeah. like, there's so many times, like, on a multi-day race or whatever, I had a bad race and I'm like, hmm, the bike's, the weight's a little bit too in the back. I'm starting to wheelie coming up hills. I'm not getting traction. So I make a big change and then they'll be like, do you want to try it? I'm like, no, I'll just ride. I'll just race with it tomorrow morning just because like, yeah. I know if I start going into it and like, I, I, if I get really critical about it, I'm still not going to be happy with it. But if, if I'm, and in the past, I definitely couldn't do this. Like my head used to just fall off. If my bike didn't feel, didn't feel good enough in a race, like a proper struggle. Whereas now I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, it doesn't phase this one bit. That's why I, I don't even worry too much. Like we, we've had problems. I've had to s- swap engines the night, be- the, like after yeah. testing the bike or whatever, like you got to swap an engine. Do you want to go and try it again? I'm like, nah, like we haven't got time to change it again. So that engine's going to have to do, like it doesn't bother me. Like I'll figure it out once I start riding and stuff like that. So I've got, I think now I've developed quite a good mix of the times when I can, you know, mm. if we have time available and resources available, I do enjoy thinking and trying to improve something and like making it better but i can also like nah fuck it that's gonna have to do like that's what we've got to go racing with like don't, don't worry about it it'll be fine and i even like the the suspension guys i'll be like oh, it's, i don't really know what i want to do i'll be like i'll they'll say i'll say make it a little bit harder okay how many clicks three four i'll be like oh, do three and a half like don't make it click fully just like open the open the screwdriver and then just take it out and then whichever way it falls that's like that's probably a bit of my mom's universal side like whatever yeah. way it falls that'll be the right one dude uh it's fun. like this is to get university on you but you think about like all of the universe is made of just like duality you've got hot cold up down <laughs> light dark light but you you literally need both for anything yeah, to happen. That's very true, yeah. That's you know, very true. And I try and think about that so much in my life. Like, I, I work like fuck to be a gnarly cunt that can strangle anybody in jiu-jitsu. And I, like, <laughs> I, I love to be in like a fight with people, you know? Like, I want to be really comfortable just being a fucking savage. And then I also want to be like the nicest most kind like Ah, gentle you know so that i think that it's super important and like there's been times in my life where like when i was way younger where i just wanted to focus on like one thing so much and even yeah with work like i want to think about the what i'm doing i want everything to be technically so good but then i also want to forget what i spoke about like i just don't want to give a fuck i don't want to listen to anything i don't want to so it's like I, I think that is the move. Like anyone that leans too far, like either way, yeah. even with like your ego, you know, like if you, you sort of, there's a certain amount of ego that you need to be like a competitive racer that thinks that he can win. Right. So it's mm. like, 
the helmet comes on full ego just be like the gnarliest dude in the world but then as soon as the truck comes the the helmet comes off and you're under the truck be like the lowest person there yeah. be the, the every mechanics better than you the team managers better than you the truck drivers better than you so like just completely yeah. go the opposite end and i think for me anyway like that's sort of how i'm more trying to like set my life up these days yeah i think that definitely it, it i only like when you talk about or when i hear it is is when you realize like how much it actually goes on to be honest with you but that's it is true and I'd say that's why um, my like it's the last obviously two years uh, my results have, have improved a lot more. I mean I had success before that, but I've definitely took a big step forward, and I think it is just because of that of that balance. Like and now, I, you I back myself to the point like I could I, I feel like I could ride around a problem or I could ride around whatever. Whereas before, like I said, one bike didn't feel right that is it head yeah. would fall off or whatever. Whereas now, like yeah, see we go we'll go and test the bike before a race and be some hill climbs or whatever i'll just be doing some wheelies in the car park or whatever i'll be like yeah. the throttle the throttle's got enough free play on it the brakes are in the right position like the controls are good like these How hills these hills aren't actually replicating the hills we're about to race up like i ain't gonna get stressed whether i'm the best at going up this hill or not like I'd, yeah. i'll just i'll just do some stoppies like like i'm i'm good and like so many times they're just like can you test them i'm like no nah, honestly it's fine like I'm just gonna ride. I'll race it, and it'll be fine. And um, it's almost—I almost kind of prefer it. Like, actually, a good example: our bikes didn't arrive to the race in America. Like, oh, they got stuck in customs. Yeah. Or, or they sent everything, like engines, suspension, to build bikes when they got to America for the race last year, and they didn't arrive. So we're gonna have to use the American bikes, which will have like different frames, different gearboxes, literally everything. And then, and then slowly one parcel or one crate would get released from customs and it got to like the day before the race and like half the stuff had arrived so they're like sorting through the boxes like we can build you this and we can build we can build like an engine with the right gearbox and blah 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 and so i really honestly don't care like just give me that american i'll just ride the american's bike like <laughs> it's like completely fine it's a new bike anyway like it's it's not going to feel the same as the one I've got at home. Nothing's going to feel the same. Like I'd just rather just relax for this day before the race rather than watch, yeah, yeah. watch everyone around me rushing like mad. Like the mechanics work working crazy hard to build this bike, which probably still isn't going to feel right. Like just give me the American bike. Like it'll be fine. And then it did the job. It was good enough. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely the move. What, what did, uh, so last year you won the world championship. In yeah. which one of the 300 disciplines that you race did you win yeah. the world championship? Because so I can't fucking keep up. That was the World Hard Enduro Championship. So like extreme yeah. enduro, hard enduro. Yeah. It was the first year um, it had like, it now it's got a full FIM status, like FIM Hard Enduro World Championship. So like extreme enduro, as it used to be called, has a full FIM championship, goes to seven, eight races a year, whatever kind of the 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 mix so now I'll, i race as a full championship super enduro in the winter time which is obviously indoor racing um in the arenas enduro cross super, whatever that finishes then we go into the hard enduro world championship but i did do a round of the world enduro championship which is like the traditional time card enduro last year um 
which I did quite well in. I was second on the first day and th- uh, fourth on the third. Uh, I can't remember. Third on the first day and fifth on the second day, something like that. Um, so it does get quite confusing, especially when you throw yeah. in that I'd like to do a motocross race if I'm free and then whatever else. Like, But the two main championships I'll race is the Super Enduro in the winter and then Hard Enduro in the, in yeah. the, the main part of the year. And so winning that world championship, we, we can't do a podcast with you and not at least brush over winning the world championship must be a fucking insane feeling yeah it was it was pretty sick um like that was my third world title the first one i had wasn't an fim world title it was when they did like a world enduro super series which was the yeah. combined like all enduros together which was a good idea but it just just didn't wasn't really gonna gonna work like the extreme enduro riders were always gonna be favored in that kind of championship just because our races are so gnarly and the fast guys can't finish Mm. our races so that was the first one and that was 2018 um which was still massive like that was still huge i was i was so buzzing with that but i think i was pretty not that i was that young but i didn't really appreciate it at the time as much really it was mm. kind of like yeah world champion that's pretty cool went straight into training for super enduro and then i actually broke my leg about a month later so i literally went from world champion to broke my leg and had four months without even riding so it was Fuck. it was just a bit of a strange time really I, before i could even be happy about being world champion i was recovering from an injury mm. and it kind of in my mind forgot that i was world champion a little bit so then the next the next world championship I had was the 2020 super enduro world championship the indoor racing and that was the last round got cancelled because of covid so we never had the last round i had like a 20 something point lead in the championship and like so many of my friends had planned to go to the the last round uh i was in poland i think yeah it was meant to be in poland like so many people from home had planned to go like that flares everything signs like it was the last round was had such good hype and then it got cancelled like the thursday before it was meant to be on saturday that was like that was the first of the covid cancellations in 2020 that was the start of it all so i never had a last round never had a last round of the championship at the time they postponed it so at the time i didn't know if i'd won and then like two months later in the middle of lockdown when they realized okay the world's not getting back to normal anytime soon then i got an email I actually got a message from one of the journalists saying, oh, how does it feel to be crowned world champion before I'd even seen the email or the press release or anything. So that's how I even, I found out literally whilst I was having a shit. <laughs> Te- text popped up from a journalist like, how does it feel to be world champion? And I came out and I was like, walked into the kitchen and I was just like, I think they've cancelled the last race. And I think I'm <laughs> world champion. And like my mom and Roxy are just like, hey, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And it was just like the weirdest feeling ever. So I never got the last round. Found like just, just, just bizarreness. You know what I mean? Like, didn't really feel right. So then, this this year or last year, twenty twenty one, hard enduro was like full championship. Kind of, you know, me and Manny battled pretty much from the start. It was like a full, you know, full championship. Worked hard. Everyone worked hard, battled hard, and and then took the win. And the last round was just like everything kind of happened. In in the, the last round, all went ahead, and it was just. Yeah, finally really appreciated that one and kind of really hit home and, and with it being, you know, it just all, all felt felt right for, for that one, to be honest. And I made hard work of it. The final round, I just had to finish second. If Manny won, I had to finish second um, to win the championship, which he's won that race the last two years. So I was pretty, 
pleased to be going in and under those circumstances. Um, so started the race, led the first lap, me and Manny back and forth, and then made just cr- crash after crash, ended up back in sixth. Oh. And was like riding around in sixth for like 20 minutes, just thinking, what am I doing? Just stuck, could not get going at all. Like every time I tried to do something, I made a mistake and got stuck and had to retry a hill or whatever. Riding around in sixth with about an hour to go, thinking like, right, you really need to sort something out here because this isn't happening. This isn't what's meant to happen. So then the second half of that race, it was just, just clicked. And like, I don't, again, luckily like at this point, point I'm at now I managed to stick like a few years ago my head would have went completely and I'd have blown it and like that'd have been raging but I was actually re- relatively chilled to say I was the last round of the world championship and I needed to be in second to win I was relatively chilled I just thought as, as, as soon as I can flick the switch and start riding good it's going to come back and I, I know I was fast enough to pass everyone so then yeah passed back into second with like a th- with like 20 minutes left on the clock and just kind of played it safe in second and, and it all got the final round, got the f- crossing the finish line and in the party and the truck and had just a, a good last round. So it was like a, a real, um, a real good year last year. I think looking back whenever the end of my career, maybe probably that's going to be one of my favorite years. Yeah. Cause as an athlete, you kind of want that day, right? Like you want yeah. the championship day. You want to like prove to yourself like, righto, when like, when the rubber hits the road, I can actually do it. I can be the man. And then I, I, I think I even reposted the video of you crossing the finish line. Everyone had the champagne yeah, there for the, you. The, and it was, it just was like, amazing. Like the, the last one, the super enjoy one, like I was almost like more the being bummed that I didn't get the last round and the, the team pictures and the championship pictures and everything like that. I was almost more bummed about that. Like that bummed us out more than like the, the joy of being crowned champion at the time. Like yeah. I was really like, you know, cause I, I know like my whole family and it was, a, it was, still wasn't perfect. Cause my, my family, like my family couldn't travel there cause of COVID and stuff like that to Germany for the final round. But it was still like across the finish line. Like it was still amazing. Um, whereas that other time it was just, I was just so bummed. I know, I know like how much was like, everyone was planned to be there and it was like, it was all going to be amazing. So, um, no, I'm, I'm pleased we got it last year and it seems that we're kind of somewhat heading to normality for the, for the world. And hopefully things continuing by some, some point of this year, we're, we're, we're somewhat back to normal. Yeah. Have you got any like bucket list races that you want to do that you haven't done like have you ever thought about dakar obviously it's so yeah different. i've like, got some mad ideas like i don't it's hard to know what's realistic and what's not i guess when I've mate, it's all realistic a, when you're billy bolt when i've done such a drastic change as it is it's hard to like to and and i, I struggle to kind of uh, my mind changes so much as well like at one point at one one day i'll wake up and i'll be like yeah i want to win more however many more hard enduro world championships and then Another day I wake up and be like, well, I'd like to try something else. Like, what, what, what else is there to do? What else can you do? Stuff like that. And, like, I don't really know. Um, Dakar is definitely something I'd seriously consider. Um, I've really got into it a lot more over the last couple of years. I, um, I went to Dubai end of last year. Um, just planned to go on holiday. And then all the Dakar boys were literally in town yeah, that week. Sick. And it was worked out to be the sickest thing ever, like, 
Toby, uh, Sanders, Samson, Lynn, yeah. Van Beveren were literally all there. And I'm like, went for a two week holiday and I rode like 11 times in the desert with them. It was, it was so sick. And I, got, and I proper, proper enjoyed it, to be honest. And, and I know obviously there's a lot more to it than the navigation kind of stuff. I think I would definitely seriously consider it. I'd like to have a, a bit of a test and see if I was any good with the navigation and stuff like that. If, if I was no good, then I'd, there's no point trying. I think there's, there's that pays so much of it these days. Um, so I would consider it and then um, I'd like to race I'd like to do a bit more on motocross side of stuff I think um, not I don't mean going like race MXGP or supercross or whatever but I'd like to do more maybe like some British some more British championship races and motocross and stuff like that um, but I haven't actually read motocross much at all lately with having like a normal super enduro season um, yeah. I've actually been pretty focused for this winter like a little bit more than normal not not just because I've I've been busy really not in particular like i didn't feel it was that important like if if the, i haven't had a motocross bike with us in spain or anything like that so um haven't actually rode motocross for a while i've just kind of been focusing on that and i've been setting uh been quite busy with some other stuff so i don't really know and then i think to like the youtube side of stuff and, and like yeah. video side of stuff and like i've got a lot of cool ideas and like i see a big future in that and like a lot of possibilities in in and a lot of like you know benefits to kind of focusing more on that route and and going down that path but then at the same time like i'm always going to want to race there's going to be like a racer inside of me that's that will never i don't think i'll ever be able to let let racing go fully and i'm always going to want to do some form of racing um but i also you know i do really enjoy making videos and making vlogs and stuff like that and i'd like to to push that a little bit more i think for the next few years at least it's definitely not going to be a priority racing is going to be a priority but i do see the value in doing that and, and like i say i enjoy that kind of stuff too so i don't know it's hard to say i think it, for now i definitely there's races in hard enduro that i want to that i want to win that i haven't won yet like erzberg's been cancelled the last two years because of covid um and i haven't i haven't won that i haven't gotten the podium there yet i haven't really had other than that first year i haven't really done particularly well i feel like at esberg so that's definitely one of the ones i want to really improve and then also romaniacs like from how much i struggled that first year to the point i'm at yeah. now like it's just 100 percent what i want to prove to myself as well like you know last year that i won the championship i finished fourth in romania that was the only race i was off the podium but that fourth you know was i was really actually pretty happy with i hurt my knee on the first day and then just slowly came back into it and and got some fourth solid punch for the championship that was like massive and like I've, it's just that race is just 100% I want to prove to myself that I can do it and that I've made them kind of improvements and I feel now like I mean I've got myself to a point where like I can compete in that race which is again like I say so a, a big personal satisfaction really mm. um so yeah I don't really know I think where I'm at now is going to be for the next couple of years at least but I think yeah I'm still kind of young enough to to go off and 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 see whatever comes comes of it how did um when you did the dakar stuff like how did you feel with the speeds um well we we all were just riding stock 450 motocross bikes to be fair um okay they they all went there uh they had like tests and stuff it was like november time and we all kind of arrived at the same time they were there a week before the team arrived with the bikes and, and stuff like that. So we were literally all just riding bone stock 450 motocross bikes. It was so dangerous when you think of it. Like we're all just pinned in, in fifth, literally yeah. just looking at each other like, it, it, look, it was so dangerous. But I mean, the, it was it was a bit 
it was scary. I'm not gonna lie. Like there's times I remember I was following me and Van Beveren were riding side by side, and um, there's like there's a few cool trucks in Dubai which are like just like motocross trucks on steroids. There's, there's yeah. one. It's like a eight or nine minute lap, and it's literally only fourth and fifth gear. Oh. And it's like whooped out, like couple of doubles, couple of like June doubles. It's like gnarly. There's, a, I think, I don't know if I post. I think I posted it on YouTube or somewhere. Anyway, there's like um, Van Beveren put my GoPro on his and followed me around it, and like I'm like flat out on the bike as fast as it would go down this like straight and like as fast as it go. But I'm like I'm like thinking about it, staring at it, like really having to, to work yeah, hard to go this yeah. fast. And he's like, just pulls alongside us and he's like looking at us like, and he's just so chilled. And like, I was riding with Toby a little bit and he's just exactly the same, like just stood up and then I'm like going pretty similar speed. I could tell we're all going fast, but they're just chilled. Like, yeah, it's good in it now. Pretty good. And I'm just like, oh, you guys are gnarly. Um, but it was cool. Like I, I, I did really enjoy it. To be honest, it was, uh, it was all new. First time I'd ever ridden in like Junes or, or or anything like that. Um, but it was cool. Like again, it wasn't. I'm, I'm not stupid. It wasn't anything like particularly replicable to the duck. I know there's yeah, a yeah. hundred more valuable variables go into it. But but at the same time, I, I did enjoy it, and it was. Um, I think I just quite enjoy like learning stuff as well. Like yeah. that's why I really like got into to ride and uh, like enjoy riding motocross because probably 2018 the final round of that world enduro super series was a beach race was red bull knockout yeah and like yep. bef before that i um i spent quite a bit of time like did some testing of the fact we had like proper beach race bikes which is like what the guys recently took it on like with long swinging arms six speed gearbox big tanks so i did some testing like testing to get that bike set up and, and um nathan watson was still riding for was riding for ktm then and he was obviously like the the man on the beach and and he was working with a guy called toff who was like kind of a team coach uh, he knew what, like was been around beach races a while classic enduro a while so he was like just kind of the go-to guy the helper guy for races and stuff like that and so i worked like pretty hard with him and on technique and stuff like that and like really really got into that and was was really enjoying was really enjoying that kind of stuff um and the beach side of stuff so I, uh, if i hadn't broke my leg i'd have probably done the 2k that year um just because i'd, I'd obviously done knockout i did pretty good i think i was 12th at knockout um yeah, for a 12s guy i was pretty happy with that like yeah. the rest of the the rest of the extreme guys and, and enduro guys were, were a bit further back and stuff like that um but I, th I did thoroughly enjoy like kind of all that experience and figuring that out and learning that. And then, um, so yeah, I think it is just, I just enjoy learning and, and getting the, and really seeing improvements. Whereas, you know, like when I ride extreme enduro and stuff, we're kind of pushing the limits and the boundaries of, of what to do and what's possible and stuff like yeah. that. Um, whereas I go to a motocross track and I know there's like, like a uh, lot of learning that can still there's happen. There's like, basics and like foundations where okay you you get your foot on the peg early so you can put weight down you're going to get more grip exit in this corner you can stand up earlier so you can hit this whoop section or you can hit this rough rough patch faster like break earlier you can set up for the corner you're going to hit this corner fast. like there's so much so much stuff which i can pick up on myself and i can like see improvements and learn from it i just you know like really enjoy it even just stupid stuff like whipping or jumping stuff like that like i watch tommy if he wants to throw a big one throw a big one off the big jump here eds and i'm just like fuck me like 
Yeah. I, I, that's probably one of the only things, to be fair. More stuff now, I, I watch the guys, the, like the real fast guys, corner-wise, like more, more stuff where I can, okay, I can comprehend that. I can get my head around what they're doing there, but then I watch Tommy like sit down and just throw a big one off the big just jump. Just crank like, one. I'm like, I'm just starting to sit down off the takeoff of this jump. Like it's big. And 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 I've mainly just been riding it on a dual bike. I haven't had a motocross bike last year. Um, just how it worked out. But anyway, that didn't really matter too much, but I've just kind of started to get comfortable sitting down off the takeoff. Like before I was just only stood up and like I get a little bit of a crank, but like, to think I mean he's he sits down off it and he just gets so cranked and then like I I'll if I follow follow him pretty closely I can like hit the same line and I can feel you know like when you you hit the takeoff and like you feel the back you just know you're gonna go you get your back end's gonna step yeah. quite far out just the feeling off the takeoff and man's like not even a third of how big he's thrown it I'm just like I, I that's one of the things I struggle to comprehend like the feeling he's getting up that takeoff when he's just fully sat in for a big one and, and, well, and, just do and how slow they're gonna they're going to like so Berriman when Berriman hits like a freestyle ramp and cranks like a big one he's like like just from the bottom of the ramp it's just cracked wide yeah. open and it's just like the commitment level to go that slow five feet before a 75 foot jump is like yeah. he's you know like jogging pace like a slow jog at the bottom of this ramp and it's like i can't fucking whip at all like i'm just not i'm not there but like the the commitment level that those guys have to even just go that slow at a jump and know that they're still going to make it. Like, it's fucking insane. Yeah, it is so sick. That's I, I really do enjoy, like, not that it this that side of it really benefits my racing or anything like that. That is not going to make me win as big. But I just so enjoy, like, trying to figure it out. And, like, for a trials guy, I think I'm doing pretty good, like, on the whip <laughs> front. Like, certain, certain jumps I can go not bad. Like, and if you stood in the right place, it could look really good. But... Um, <laughs> But that's like I just enjoy learning it and figuring it out and like like Ed and Tommy will just be stood there like what are you doing like I'd be landing sideways and because now if I lean a bit more I'm starting to scrub so much speed off it so then if I try and do a big one I always come short because I can't yeah. I, I like I'll do a I'll hit the jump in a motor same speed no problem every time I'll then try and throw a big one and it'll scrub so much speed I'll not be going anywhere near fast enough so then I'll be like knuckle bound like landing sideways knuckle bouncing it and they're just like what are you doing and I'm just like it's fun like I'm honestly just having the best day ever trying to figure this out and then I'll get one that's pretty good and they'll have give up watching us they'll just be stood there just in case anything goes wrong but they're not even watching us anymore but the, to Tommy it's just like this is this is boring he threw one, he'd throw one big one and go ah, I've had enough for the day and I'm just like nah this is so fun I'm just I'm honestly enjoying myself so much here trying to figure this out and I'll feel like I'll go a little bit more like the, the end of last year when I was riding here and I started to sit down off the takeoff and I'd be doing it a few times and then I'd, I'd get it in a motor like more slaps and I'm just so buzzing with myself and I'm just like straight airing it like not even getting anything like cool whatsoever but yeah. just I just fucking sat down off that takeoff every lap and I'm just just little wins that you have with yourself I just find it so cool nah nah I'm all there with you and like I, I I mean I say it on here all the time but like to me the fun of riding is just like trying to get better. Like I'm mm. just not, I'm not the guy that goes out and 
like fuck i don't actually don't even know what other people ride for if they're not trying to improve and you know like because that to yeah. me is just like kind of that the or only just try thing. something new as well like it, 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 whether it be i don't know some stupid like no under to stop you landing or something like that off of just whatever like i don't know there's always something that like whether it be beneficial to my racing or what i'll arrive to the track like uh in the back of my mind whether i tell someone or not like i want to try this today like uh, i have some somewhat of a goal most of the time in fact it's not beneficial it's just something stupid so it's better that i don't tell anyone and i just try it without them telling us not to do it <laughs> what uh if you had to give people like your list of all right if you want to be a good all-round motorcycle rider you need to know this 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 and this like what are the things because like for me with the martial arts stuff that i do like i i went to class today literally like my fucking hips hurt from just doing the same thing over and over it's funny actually there's heaps of russians here and like me and this dude were yeah fucking everywhere and uh this dude we couldn't speak the same language at all but we had the same thing to do so like neither of us could converse about the technique that we're doing and it was like a fairly complicated sort of like sequence and it was like literally having a fucking Russian drilling robot. And for, <laughs> for an hour, neither of us said a fucking word to each other. We just went two for two, two for two, two for two, two for two. That's and like, brilliant. yeah, and I and got. You don't need to, eh? When you're both just in, in the zone, just enjoying what you're doing, it's like, like, I actually think back, like, when I was younger and I was doing like European Championship and um would be in like a practice area or like the week before the race everyone's practicing like so many of the spanish guys or whatever like we can't speak a fucking like yeah. they know yeah. a little bit of english we me and in my one of my a few of my english mates no no spanish but we just have like the sickest little sessions ever just fucking around like it's trial so we're like hopping on the back wheel or something like that like something what everyone else what all you guys just go eh, what they do but anyway yeah. we'd literally be doing it till like the sun goes down and then we couldn't even say anything to each other afterwards and like you know now obviously instagram's popped back up and like we still follow each other and liking each other's shit like but it was like when we were like 12 13 we'd just be trying to fuck around hopping on the back wheel till the sun went down in just these random european countries and it's like it that's the best part about motorbikes for me like the places and the people that you, you that come with it it's just like you look back and think yeah it's been it's it is so sick well that that trials stuff like the what you're doing is kind of drilling in that sense so like mm. for me that drilling that we did today i've never really gone to the track like i've been riding my whole life and like because i, I this is i think one of the downsides of motocross unless you're like a unless you're like a kid where your dad like set you up to do like corner drills like tommy was saying he did like heaps of figure eights and stuff but we can't we didn't really have any of that like when i was a kid we just our dad put our bike in the track and then we got to the local track and then at 10 20 you did you got your 10 minutes and then at 11 40 you got another 10 minutes you know so like we didn't yeah. really do drills in that yeah, sense unless but you're like quite lucky Back. unless you're quite lucky and actually can i just go to the toilet real quick yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um just then we're good, no, for we're good another we're good. hour or whatever i'll get a yeah. drink and go to the toilet decided i should do the same mm. i've drunk fuck all water today so i'm gonna be cooked in the morning i've been i've been holding in for so long and then i just thought well it's gonna get i'm not gonna make it to the toilet if i hold it any longer mate yeah you don't have to on this i don't give a fuck um so now um i think about the like what you're saying about the drills and stuff like that in moto like unless you you like 
you're lucky and you can have a free reign of a track. It's difficult to do. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, from when I was just starting, like, that was the most beneficial sessions I would have was, like, I'd, I'd ride, obviously, the public track or whatever, like, till the end of the day, and then I'd be, I'd get friends with the guy who was prepping the track or whatever for the next day, and I'd be like, oh, can I, can I go for, like, half an hour or whatever? And, and like, that, them, like, half hour or hour or whatever at the ends of the day, like, when you kind of got free room, I definitely think was so beneficial to me and, like, being able to hit, two corners in a jump or whatever it might be like over and over again and 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 even like just just getting going down i find like getting a clip for instagram or whatever like pounding something out like obviously if it's like a stoppy or something then again i also think there's there's benefits to like wheelies stoppy stuff like that you from in terms of like throttle control brake control but that's a bit of a, but like pounding out something to get an Instagram clip or whatever, like it's actually pretty like intense at times. And if you're like yeah. sessioning something pretty bad, like um, I remember um, I don't usually ride with a heart rate monitor. I'm, I'm not that big into them kind of stats and stuff like that, but I had one on once and then I did a moto and didn't, and just still left it running. They went out to get a clip on uh, like a super enduro track. I can't even remember what it was, but like my heart rate stayed at like 170, 180 for like the 15 minutes that I was there trying to get the, <laughs> the clip. And I'm just like, it's technically, there's, there's like actually something to say about that. But yeah, like in, for kids and stuff like that, it is quite difficult to get in that position, like where they can do figure it, especially if you mm. don't have like land you can ride on and stuff like that. Like I would always, because Enduro, we always had like, if I was training or whatever, it would be somewhere with those open space, whatever. I would always try and do figure of eights or something like that, where I was understanding the balance of the bike and, and where to sit in flat corners and stuff like that. Like it might have been on like a super shitty gravel, rocky mm. car park, or sometimes even like sand. If it's somewhere sandy, it's pretty cool. But like I do think there's so much value in that kind of stuff, like the small, the small things, and and it's um it's it's so beneficial to do at the time as well and and, and and I think I'd try to do it as much as possible I think if you could as a kid if that's if you're focused on enduro and, and motor and not on the trials I think because trials you do it anyway you go you go training trials and you set your section out and you do it until you do it until you've cleaned it or you do it without putting your feet down so that kind of happens without even thinking about it but um in uh in enduro and in motocross if you can kind of if you are a kid and you're looking to try and do so, improve it is to get in a pos position where you can do figure of eights or hounding, pounding out the same thing over and over. It does, does give you a lot of benefits. Yeah. Cause I think that's definitely something like, yeah, since I started doing jujitsu, you know, like it was just not something that it, we just didn't, I never really done like that drilling in a sense, you know, and then you see mm. the benefits of it. Like there's some stuff like, well, pretty much all, the of all the competitions of like i don't know 30 plus fights that i've done in competitions like pretty much all of them i've won with the exact same thing and it's the thing that oh, i've really? dr drilled the most done the most like that's just like my thing that that i do and it's like i then you go back and apply that to motocross i'm like fuck there's nothing that i've done that i just have done over and over and over yeah. and over and over and like we're signed up to do fink this year and um have you ever heard of that race yeah, in yeah. Oz? Yeah. yeah yeah so we're, we're me and sammy signed up to do that ah, and sick. uh yeah i'm fucking scared to be honest but yeah it's like, just, that's a sketchy one yeah <laughs> which one's more gnarly fink or hatter 
Uh, Fink's Nalia, I reckon. Fink's Nalia, or I don't yeah. really know. The, I don't really know the details of either, but I know um, Sanders was was every time he was in the years he was in Europe, he was like desperate to go back home. He's like, nah, I, I only care about Fink now. That's all I'm bothered about. <laughs> like, like he was selling it. He was selling it pretty hard to all those guys. To be honest, he was telling me how it was a pretty sick event. Well, I think that this year or the 2021 that just went, I think it was nowhere near as gnarly like they just graded it like it used okay. to just be fucking bop 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 fifth mm. gear whoops just that for it's 240 k's one way and then oh. you camp you camp the night and then it's 240 k's back oh. and it is fucking wedged but apparently so that's the one where toby did it on a bike yeah. and then got a helicopter back and did it in a car right yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's that's the king sick. of that shit he's won it like yeah. six times now and then he's won it in the car and the and the bike and uh, in the truck and the bike. But like, yeah, it's fucking hectic. But apparently this year that just gone, it, it's a lot smoother. So it's just now like fifth gear, like dudes are blowing Ooh. gearboxes because it's just like, yeah. <laughs> just the whole way. Yeah, that's that. You, like when you get to top, top speed on a beach street, you think this is this is scary now like everything happens so much faster and like this the the feeling of the wind on your like you you pick your head up and you're like yeah. like yeah. the difference of them speeds compared to what you used to on a motocross bike or whatever is big but but going back to like the drills and stuff like that like i bet there's there's times like all the guys now whether they be documented or not like they'll finish their motors or whatever then yeah they'll, they'll have seen somebody else try something whether it be a wheel tap or they've tripled in or whatever then they'll just find themselves pounding that over and over like the end of a day or whenever it might be and like well i don't i know i do or we do when we ride super enduro or whatever and like that's that's probably one of like my favorite points of, of training as well like when you've like narrowed it down there's like three of you all just kind of doing like a little small section and it's just pounding it out after a lap after a lap well not even a full lap but just just smashing yeah. it out like it's it get i like really enjoy those kind of sessions you should try uh so when when townley was living at carmichael's farm uh basically what they would do this was like what carmichael did his whole career was basically you get a section so it's like a quarter of the track and then you get like four runs at it. I can't remember the details. Townley spoke about it in the podcast I did with him a couple of years ago. But it was like you get four runs at it and then you've, every one of them is timed. And then you take your best time from that those four runs. And then you can't stop doing that section until you've hit that same lap time 10 times in a row. So that was, that was like, yeah. so they did, I'm pretty sure they did like their two motos and then they had to, so after they were already cooked, they had to do the 10 and sometimes BT's like, man, sometimes you're just there for fucking hours doing the same section over and over and over and over. He's like, it was just a mental grind. Just a grind. Yeah. But I think that, that is on them situations, the mental side is where you benefited so much from that. Cause you just, you know, like. There's no way, there's nobody that's done that today. Like I just, I just smoked myself harder than anyone else has smoked myself, their self to do yeah. like, Whether it be physically beneficial or not, there's probably arguments to say that you've probably done too much and it's not going to be the physical adaptations of whatever you want to call it. I'm going to benefit, but you know, like yeah, that, in that the, was hardcore. I've just, I, what I've just done was fucking hardcore and ain't many <laughs> else doing that. I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, hundred percent. How um, so? How do you go about choosing a two-stroke or a four-stroke? 
because I think that's another cool thing about enduro riders mm. or you know like the the world that you're living in is like you can ride so many different bikes and that would be fun in itself I think yeah I feel pretty lucky that I'm in this position and thankfully like Husky are super on board I think as long as I'm winning the races that all I'm doing well in the races I'm supposed to do well in they're happy to say like yeah you can have a 450 motocross bike you can do whatever like you can have a beach race engine to go and do beach races like they're super super on board with it and and which is cool but um it kind of it depends on the race more than anything I think um I actually people are probably going to get mad at this but I actually prefer to ride a four stroke like most of the time I just get more I enjoy riding a four stroke more I feel like I can um, for like majority of just general riding, if I just had to pick a bike to go for a trail ride on or whatever, it would be a four stroke. Just and what um, one do you like? Uh, between a four fifty or a three three fifty or four fifty. Um, I think if I needed to go from A to B as fast as possible, like around like a special test or like a classic endurance, I think a four fifty is faster. I think um, because when I broke my leg a few years ago, I had drop foot for about a year. So my foot basically didn't lift up whatsoever, yeah. my left foot. So I still struggle to change gear quite a bit. So like I can't ride a 250 or a 125 fast anymore at all just because I can't change gear fast enough. Um, so yeah, like 450s are the probably the best, like fastest for me to ride around a motocross track or to ride around a special test or whatever. Um, but we ride a 350 four-stroke indoors for super indoor track. Um, it's just it's a cool bike. Like our our bikes, are, yeah, the engines are pretty sweet. Like they rev pretty hard and they're geared pretty low just to try and avoid stalling it or just because the tracks are super tight. But the engines have got so much. Um, so much grunt and like so much bottom end power like it's just like bah, bah, like it's so sweet to ride like when you're hitting hitting logs and it's quite difficult for most people to probably understand if they're not used to like smashing into logs because usually you'd, you'd see a log on a track and you can I'm going to place my foot oh, I'm going to I'll be back I'm going to place my front wheel and I'm going to you know use my body whereas it's in a super enduro track where just like loading the, the thing up on the revs and just smashing into it and trying to jump <laughs> as far as possible off it like it's pretty backward to, to comprehend to be honest I'm not going to lie but but it's cool and then um like the super super gnarly extreme races um I do think a lot of them you could actually do pretty good and there's advantages to riding a four stroke but when it gets so difficult where you got to start pushing the bike and you know you need that instant power that that like you know whop whop and just yeah like instant power and until just start pulling and lugging the bike around and stuff like that the two stroke just definitely helps i think these days there's not actually much difference in the weight like the dry weight of the bike but the four stroke definitely feels heavier you know and you have to start like maneuvering it about and you have to you're going super slow and and, and you know zigzagging or, or, or like weaving the bike through super technical things i think that it just it's naturally better on a two stroke so um yeah, most extreme races, I'd say like 95% of extreme races or hard endures will be two-stroke. Um, there's just the occasional one where it's not so technical and it's like a fast, the faster track and there's a bit of a speed element to it. But then, yeah, most other races, are, wherever possible, I, I, I would choose to ride a four-stroke just because I enjoy it more. Yeah, and, and what uh, two-stroke are you riding? Are you riding the 300? Yeah, 300 TPI, just, just maximum so power. so good, aren't they? Yeah, just maximum power. And I mean, like the the fuel injection now, like I won't lie, when it first came out, it was definitely, it was new uh, it's new technology, like a two-stroke injected bike. Like it's, 
it's it was a, a lot of change and it, it, and they definitely had some teething issues to start off with. But now I would say they're such a good bike and and, and like mm. the the versatility of them and what you can do with them and like the, you can just go for for how long they just go and just ride. All you got to do is put fuel in them and like they just they're just bulletproof to be honest they're, even stock bikes like when i go to south africa to down to my girlfriend's place i usually just get a stock bike there or even usually it's not even new it's just like one of the team bikes from the season but like a stock bike and it just blows me away to be honest with how good they are like obviously our bikes are pretty special and we work quite hard testing and stuff like that but then you get on a stock bike and you're like fuck these are actually like pretty sweet it's um you know it is quite impressive to be honest and i think like the the KTM group between Husky Gas Gas and KTM, they do, they're so far ahead in, in the thought process of certain things and like the the certain design areas and, and stuff like that. Like the the position they're at now in terms of bikes is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I did a enduro race a couple of years ago on the 300. I can't remember whether it was the TPI. How long has that been out for? The came out in... 17 or 18 yeah maybe it was on but that. if you if it was an xc model i think they came out in 19 so it was like if it was the cross country model yeah uh, i can't i can't remember what it was it was definitely no nah, but maybe, either way yeah that, yeah the, maybe it was actually because the yeah it was there it was like the press- petrol Oh, I didn't do shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's full just, factory then. Uh, Husky was just like, hey, if I can ride this, I had the, the 350 and the 300 for this enduro race. Uh, oh, it was, it was like this six hour, uh, that one of those team races. Uh, and yeah. uh, one of my, he's actually like one of my best mates now. But um, he he was like riding on the this team Husky and then it was the editor of one of the magazines. And uh, and Trent went out, did his first lap, broke his fucking foot like proper, oh, broke his foot. So and then the other dude was like half running the event, so I had to do this six hour race pretty much by myself. <laughs> and uh, and I was swapping back and forward between the three hundred and the three fifty, and I actually really liked the three hundred. And the yeah. the uh, Rosie from KTM, uh, well KTM Husky, she said she's like just put it in third gear and just leave it there, just do the whole track. And I was like like nah I went out the first lap and I was like in first and second and then I I there was one section I was like kind of struggling with and I did just put it in third gear I was like fuck it I'm already doing shit and I, I just, just put it in third gear and, just, it, just and yeah. it just pulled its way smooth up the hill it actually blew me away and then when uh, it's like half kind of hard enduro style and then half grass track motocross and the thing fucking hammered on the motocross track yeah i actually could, fast, couldn't believe how fast course. it was nah they're they're for versatility and how much abuse they take like like they just go <laughs> forever and like i know just from my training bikes like if i'm if i'm away somewhere and i haven't got a mechanic with us or whatever like they don't really get touched i'm actually not too bad with the spanners i just I just can never be asked to do it really it's I mean, it was luckily, thankfully, I'm fortunate enough to not really need to. But, um, but yeah, they don't get touched much. I occasionally tap the dust off the air filter, and they just go for hours and hours. Like they, you got to take your hat off to for how good, how well they're put together, and, and how good they are. Well, it's crazy too because like years and years ago, 
the like keep taking money kick the mother like they just had the mm. worst reputation and you were a yeah. kook if you owned one and nowadays like you're a kook if you don't yeah no they've they're, they've built up such a like respectable man and i was actually at the factory last week for for two days and uh like went around the museum and stuff they like motor hall which has been open a couple of years but for some reason one way one reason or another i'd never actually been rounded and stuff and like they're like t- the history and like where they've come from and what they've done and like it's it, it you get so much respect for the brand to be honest they've they've like really really done a lot for like and and, and thought about it and, and you've got to you've got to give them a lot of credit to be honest it's it's pretty impressive yeah so to go back to the the youtube stuff like when you were saying in your your future plans like you can see the youtube like really factoring into it i'm pretty stoked you actually said that like I, when i was talking to tommy yesterday or day before or whatever um he was i was sort of saying to him like i feel like you boys have like a big future with the youtube stuff like you you're just in the baby stages of it now really like i mean you've yeah you've been going a few years but like i've been doing my youtube for four five years and going like super fucking hard at it and it's even my shit's like we're all in the baby stages of it so it's like i think it's cool that like Tommy almost doesn't see the future in it from what it seems like, but it mm. sounds like you really do see like this could actually be a massive thing. Yeah. I think Tommy just wasn't, I've been like a YouTube and like yeah, a YouTube viewer like for a, a while. Like I'm like yeah. a big, like I followed Casey Neistat for so yeah, long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, like not that it, again, doesn't really matter to like the bike world or whatever. Like say that to Tommy and he goes, he doesn't, even yeah, the slightest totally idea yeah. he hasn't the slightest idea like how sick he is like i'll i'll mean we've got a obviously a group made and tommy and then i'll i'll like post a video i'll like send send a link to one of his old vlogs like because like when he used to like daily vlog mm. like for how good as shit he used to make every day like i like it's just like so sick like like i have so much respect for it and like rate it so much and like me and ed obviously talk and tommy's just like uh, who's this what's this like yeah but, but obviously like he does he does. He's now sort of seeing like the benefits f- to it for for him and stuff like that. And like he he does definitely like enjoy making these vid- making videos and stuff like that. He's just obviously not doesn't really understand and not being a viewer of it, so he can't. He doesn't really he see like, like the, the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't seen the ceiling for it and stuff like that. Whereas like I've obviously kind of followed it even from like the Brandon Semenok days and and stuff like that. And it's and like um. I watch, yeah, still watch. I don't even watch TV. If I turn the TV on, it just yeah. goes straight to YouTube and I watch like a Jamie O'Brien vlog or something like that. And, and like, I, I see like how, how many people are, how, how, I, f- I see our base has been, has the potential to be something like by itself. Like I do yeah. see what we have if, if we wanted to. And, and it's difficult, like, and it's getting better, but there's always like a fine line of, oh, are you not, focus on racing or you're not working hard and and then to be honest like husky are actually really good and like the the team managers everything like that like they've seen i I did a vlog i did like every race last year i did i did a vlog for the husky channel i did a vlog for my channel and then obviously did the race i did the race yeah like they they're on board like they're supporting i think nick well this year i'm the only rider on the team so um I'm just, they're just they're just going to support my vlog for my channel but like they're super super on board and like obviously got the results last year they seen like at the end of the day anyone we all have downtime in the day like to 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 hold the camera and talk to the camera for 
10 minutes yeah, it's every, fuck couple, all. every couple of hours if it's not a big deal like don't obviously you don't stress about it if if whatever for for one one day of the race you don't get a chance to film to, to film a clip or whatever like fuck doesn't really matter at the end of the day but but they're super on board with it. And I think now, like, attitudes are changing. Like, all of the, a lot of the Supercross guys are vlogging now. Like, a lot of the Supercross teams have started vlogging this year and stuff like that, which is good. Um, and it's definitely, I think just the whole attitude's changed. But I think, like, it, it, it also, for it to really grow to that big level, it needs to, there needs to be a want to do it mm. at the same time. Like, you've got to be on board and you've got to kind of invest in it. Which, which I do see happening and like I've, all, I've at this at the moment in time I kind of just want it to grow in the background nicely and I think there will be a point where I think oh, okay that's what I want to focus on now I want to grow that but for now like I said before there's races I want to do and races I want to win so whatever happens to the vlog in the meantime or the YouTube channel is any growth it does is a bonus like I enjoy making videos I'm going to make videos whether they whether I make any money from doing it or whether they get views or not, like that's just what I enjoy doing. I enjoy editing them in my downtime. Like it's the whole setup of it I enjoy. Like obviously I could do more and I could be more productive if I wanted to put more effort into it. But just at this stage in time, I'm not quite there yet. Um but like I said, I think there will be a time when I think, okay, let's get get editing a bit more, get some actual plans for actual like you know upload dates and and do a lot more but at this moment in time i kind of like the fact it's a little bit freestyle a little bit here there and everywhere and it kind of matches where i'm at in my life really i'm kind of i'm in mm. spain training and then i come back for a british championship and now i'm at home we've got a couple of videos planned this week a couple of mountain bike videos and like some cool shit planned but then next three weeks i'm back in spain and i'm training and you know what i mean it kind of matches my lifestyle at the minute and yeah. if i can show that a little bit you know, like naturally just, just doing what I do and filming what I film and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, and like I say, if, if it comes to the point where people want to get involved, like I'm really, really happy and stoked that Husky are, are, are so keen on it. Cause at first, you know, like I, I know how a couple of the guys, like the bosses are. And I thought, well, I'm, I was always kind of waiting for the phone call. Like you can't do that. I can't do this. But to be honest, yeah. I'm like, I've not been told off for anything yet and told not to do something, um, which is cool. Like I think, um, the the marketing guys and stuff like that have really sold it to like the race the racing people like how important it is which is cool I can I can see both sides to it but I and I and I see the whole industry is only going to go more in that direction like that's yeah. that's the future that's the way it's heading like whatever whatever head start you get is only going to benefit you do you know what I mean like that's the way everyone's going soon everyone's going to be trying to do it but you've got to want to do it for it to be successful at the end of the day. Like if you start a vlog because some, some companies pay yeah, loads, of yeah. money, loads of money to make a vlog, England, people are going to see through it in my opinion, or I'm going to see through it. So I'm not going to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I say, I'm going to make vlogs, whether it makes money or not at the end of the day, it's cool that Husky are on board. It's cool that some other people are on board. And if it comes to that point where I really have an opportunity to do it, then it would, I would consider it more, but I'm happy to go with whatever direction it is. I just, I just see there's so much potential. You're almost stupid not to do it. Yeah, oh, I completely agree. Like, um, and <clears throat> I think that, I just think that like the general consumer landscape is changing. And like, I mean, how many people do you see running a Fox T these days? You know, like it's sort of just people are changing to where merch is more of a thing. Yeah. Like people, people want to be like 
active consumers. They want to, you know, like you just dropped your merch that is fucking killing it. Like we sell a bunch of merch. Like it's sort of, yeah. I, I buy, I buy team fried shit. I buy, yeah. yeah, well, I get Daniel Ricardo stuff. Like there's all the, you know, all my boys that I love and all like my people that I'm involved with, like, you know, Julian Wilson just dropped his, like literally a full brand. So like he hasn't done merch. He's done his own brand called Rivia Projects and it's fucking legit. So yeah. it's like, there's a reason to buy people's shit it's not like uh you know oh fox has gone done this like they don't even give you a say in it it's like this is your signature thing for the year yeah it's like that's yeah. like that's 1990s shit you know yeah. so there's i think so much more personality kicking around these days and people can buy into that if they want to if they don't they're buying something else don't they? yeah and it's like uh it's almost makes you feel like you're a part of the community and mm. you're you're a part of that like that person's success and if you buy billy bolt merch like you're helping billy bolt and it's yeah. i think that's the same thing like when people buy gypsy tales merch it's like oh i know that this money goes into the channel which mm. is like what i love kind of you know watching yeah. or whatever so. yeah that's true that's true and how like to, to portray it naturally as well like you know you can plug the merch and just say like we got we got this to pay for we got but it's all like at the end of the day people are just getting involved and like even just from that like I did the British Championship yesterday and we did like not bright pink but like a, a like a pale pink beanie and I seen so many of them kicking around at the British Championship yesterday and it's just it's so cool and so many people are like stoked to come up to you and show you they've got a hoodie yeah. on and show you they've got a hat on and it's just like it's so cool to see um like the 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 response I had yesterday at like the the Br British Championship race it was was honestly so nice and it's hundred percent from the YouTube side of things people just getting involved and people people feeling like they're kind of part of it like um yeah it's just it's just builds like such everyone's kind of got their own well not everybody but the people that are doing it have kind of got their own little community now and it's like yeah just it's only going to go more in that direction. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, man. So if I come to Europe and want to do a race, what what should I do? I've always wanted to do Western Beach Race. Ooh. Have you ever yeah, done Western, that? Yeah, I've done Western twice. Western's a sick race. Is it I good? Really yeah. Because I, I like doing dumb shit that I have no yeah, business like, doing. It's a grind and like any kind of beach race is like the straights, like gnarly and... It gets a bit of a slog. Well, actually, the, the, the last year I did it, it wasn't as wet and... Um, it was quite sandy, so it was actually still well. It was a good mix, I would say, between the slogging, the ruts, and the bogs, and like the western quicksand, and then the fluffy sandy, like like whoop sections and stuff. But uh, western's cool. I didn't actually do it last year. I had a race the same weekend, which I was pretty bummed off. But I think this year it's free, so that's on the cards. But that's it. that is a cool race. I would hundred percent recommend going to do that. Um, but in terms of like hard enduro, it depends because like if you want the sickest most insane riding experience going to the most crazy mountain ridges and like i would say going to romania and like a silver or probably a bronze class like because romaniacs has gold oh silver. really yeah romaniacs has gold silver bronze and iron okay i'm interested so like a bronze class or it depends on how silver i think from what i've heard is still pretty tough like you're still on a long day whereas bronze is, is a bit easier but you're still riding in the mountains you're still doing four days of just insane 
like riding wise or, or what you could probably do like a silver like with with a mate and kind of team up and get each other through that would probably be um like a bit more of a a bit more of a grind um me and tommy silver yeah well i don't know if i'd quite want to be team teaming up with tommy can <laughs> it'd be good for about an hour until he's got wet feet and then his, his dummy comes out um but but yeah like a silver or bronze at romania was is just the most insane riding experience really? like just from it i would say so just from like a the, the emotions you go through whereas like a Erzberg or there's a new race in Italy called Abistone it was its first race last year and like it's really small little ski resort but obviously it's summer so it's like you're racing up like the the ski the ski pistes and the ski That's slopes and then sick. there's like some super gnarly like rock sections but on some really like steep um real steep hills but like big big boulder fields like it was its first year last year um and as it, for its first year race it did a, it was a really sick job but it's such a cool location um and they've got around for next year so i think that race definitely has potential to go into something really big um just because of like the the, the area and the scenery and and everything like that um oh, but obviously like Erzberg is like the the og it's still from like a riding perspective if you want like hours on your bike for your money it's probably not the best one to go to but just as a whole atmosphere and a week of just motorbike carnage it's it's pretty good like the whole week before i mean it's not like on like a motocross donations campsite level but it's like pretty pretty up there with the wildness of just what you see like take it take it like a, a trip or ride through the campsites and stuff like that and it's like you look around thinking oh these but these boys are here for a good time and then um <laughs> Just the whole like atmosphere and the, the the mine itself is just so big. It's like un unexplainably big once you like get up to it in person. And it's just a cool week of just like enjoy everyone enjoying motorbikes and stuff like that. Like, um, but again, not a much not that much riding if that's what you want. But it's a cool experience. So it's depends on what you're after, really. Yeah, I actually didn't know the I just thought that the hard enduro stuff, like it's just pretty off limits for like an average dude. Like yeah, I didn't no, that's that that's kind of one of the selling points really. That's why it is so popular. Like a lot really? of the races a lot of the races have um other classes and other things involved. Like Erzberg is a rare ex- exception. Um, but and now most races that like, cater because like Romaniacs, I think it's like six hundred entries. Really? Um, yeah, like 600 people sign up and um, yeah, there's like 20 or 30 on the gold class and then the rest are just scattered through the uh, through the rest of the ranks. But yeah, like I'd say probably the, the bronze and iron is probably the, the biggest the biggest categories of just kind of like your, your middle-aged guy or your hobby guy. That's just, it's like the ultimate really. Yeah, it's like the ultimate really and like there's a lot of, it's quite, it's almost a bit of its own industry really. There's like, companies that do service packages and stuff like yeah. that a little bit similar to like the, the Dakar side of things but it's it's gone into a bit of an industry and there's a couple of other races like that like there's a race called Sea to Sky in Turkey yeah which isn't actually part of the uh the championship but that's another cool race where um it's three days one race on the beach like an, an enduro cross track on the beach um which is cool and then like a smaller race and then the final day, which you start on the beach and you race to the top of the mount- this mountain, which is lit- it's about 40 k's, the, the race. And I think it's like 2,000 meters up at the top of the mountain. Um, that's a cool race to do, which also is that that, that race has like a uh, bronze finish. So you get like 20 k's in, you get to the, you get a bronze medal 
and you, you can stop or you can keep going then there's like a silver the silver finish like two thirds of the way through if you get there you get the silver medal and if you get to the top you're obviously a gold finisher so um, that is like one of the selling points that really it's like the, the mass participation events which is the cool thing as well like you know anyone can kind of go in and share a paddock or share a start line with kind of us guys too it's it's one of the reasons I think it has grew to be so popular um, mm. you know whereas it's it's difficult. It, it, your average guy buys a motocross bike. He's never going to get in the same paddock. Yeah, be yeah. In the same race as Jeffrey Hurlins. Do you know what I mean? I think it is one of the appeals, which is is what they're really trying to to keep as a core value, like of the sport. Obviously, now it's FIM and getting serious, and it's a big championship and stuff like that. And it's obviously all the races on like Red Bull TV and whatever else. But they um they're really trying hard to keep that that core value of it being like you know the mass participation and any of the hobby guys can get involved if they want yeah that's sick i actually never knew that so what's next for you like the next little little stint you got coming up here um yeah i've got the there's two rounds left of the super enduro world championship for this year um you I'm winning leading, that i'm leading that at the moment um with yeah oh well three rounds left there's one one in israel in like two weeks time and then a double header like two rounds on the same weekend in germany so three rounds left technically um of the super enduro world championship so that's kind of the main priority now for the next month or so and then um and then we finish that and head back onto the two stroke and, and start testing for outdoors and stuff like that i think um we're gonna obviously there's a the new KTM Husky is coming out. I think we're going to start riding that like midway through this year, which is like a year early for the Enduro bike. Um, so we've got quite a bit of testing to do with that and stuff like that. Um, but no, just messing around really. I'm back home in the UK for this week. Yeah, Ed's fucking about for now and got a couple of video stuff planned. Just trying to cram it all in really. Like I've, I've, um, I've spent more time away than I was really planning to, to be honest, uh, this year, just, just because the weather's been so shitty in the UK mm. and I've been uh, been busy with some other stuff. Um, so, yeah, just got a few little video stuff I'd promised to do for various sponsors or whatever. So a busy week this week with Ed, just fucking around, taking all the boxes and messing about on bikes and then I'll go back to Spain next week and get back to somewhat serious work. Well, mate, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I'm stoked we did it. We, uh, yeah, made it happen. And big shout out to Ed and uh, and Kex is uh, little undie, undie company. And then all your merch is through that as well, right? So how do yeah, people well, how do people get that? So kexunderwear.com, they've got obviously all Ed stuff. It's uh, we should actually we should try and do it this week. Try and explain a bit more of the of what's going on because I do actually get asked that question quite often so um, yeah all my stuff's on kexunderwear.com there's like a separate Billy Boat 57 uh, merch range and then obviously you can check out all the all the undies and all what Ed's got going on clothing wise and stuff like that which is going pretty good for him but that's that's what's so cool I think about of, of all our what we're doing is like we're just fucking around on bikes having a good time showing what we're doing it's kind of benefit to all of them really he sells more he, he he edits a few videos for her and sells some more sells some more pants at the same time our social profiles go up sponsors like it do you know what i mean it's just it's a cool time we're in and in like cool vibe to be part of what like we've got going on back here right now i think i think like i said before it's only heading in our di- they're more in that direction but we're, we don't really, we're just winging it for now it's gone pretty good yeah and i mean honestly like i feel the same sort of thing over here like 
I mean, my brother does a lot of, like, he does Toby's management and Jack and Jack Dylan and all the, the boys. And then Sammy's got Fist and Rat and, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm doing the podcast and we're all helping each other. And then it's like, now I've got reached out to you boys. And it's like, right, let's all get this podcast done. You know, like I got Tommy yeah. yesterday and then you today. It's like everyone's kind of hustling and helping each other. And no, no way does anyone, it, well, if, if anyone feels like uh, you got to keep shit to yourself and be fucking separate and, you know, like, oh, I'm not going there, not doing that, then you're just a dickhead because, nah, there's, you know, there's in no this world at all, you know, we're all helping each other out. There's no need for at the end of the day, we're all just like riding bikes and messing around and having a good time with the with your mates. That's what it's about. That's why we started it and why not keep going, keep it going. And all try and help each other make a few quid while we're at it. Exactly, and if we're all... You know, selling a few bits in Bob's sponsors are liking it. People are enjoying watching it. There's kind of no reason that it can't work out. Yeah, no, 100%. Well, Billy Bolt, you're the fucking man. You are the <laughs> fucking man. I love it. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Well, we got I'm to not going to be able to fit out of this door. My head's going to be so big when I'm doing it now. Just give your old boy a call. <laughs> yeah, he'll bring it back. He, he called us this morning, actually. I'm sure he's, uh, he's about to tell us how good my sister did at the weekend and how she's going to be better than me. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's how it works, but hey, daddy's girl. Yeah, proper, he's he's all in. He's schoolboy dad. He's, he's, he's all for it now. She's God's uh. gift. Billy can't do nothing. <laughs> Billy's, a wa- Billy's a waste of time. But, uh, it's all uh, good. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Well, no, nah, cheers, mate. Eh? And uh, yeah, best luck with everything. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get over there. I was saying to Tommy, I'm going to try to get over at some point. Um yeah some point soon and there's a bunch of shit to do over there so yeah that'd that be sick whatever happened like i say if you're in europe and there's a race on or whatever i'm sure we can try and make a plan of, of somewhere to get a bike or somewhere even a podcast or like i say yeah the world the world there's a world of possibilities out there just see what happens <laughs> sweet mate well uh yeah we'll do this again sometime for sure all right sick i'm looking forward to it thanks cheers. guys cheers brother